and welcome to episode 75 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Y'all are going to have to bear with me a little bit here. I'm getting over the flu. We had a massive infection at uh, my place of employment. Uh, we actually had to stagger lunches. Uh, there was the thought about maybe canceling class. I was really just hoping it was the start of the zombie apocalypse. You were hoping it was the start of the zombie apocalypse. Well, I'm, I'm actually reading the Strain trilogy right now, which is uh, Guillermo del Toro and Chuck Hogan. They wrote kind of a vampire apocalypse, and it's going to be on FX this summer as a TV series. It's really good, like very vivid, kind of fun, playing around with kind of hot zone meets zombie apocalypse. Really good stuff. I would recommend it. So that's why I, I, I just kind of thought people were dying. <laughs> Uh, I hope not. Well, I, I had a drill in class where I was just like, in the event of a zombie apocalypse, which building do we hold? You know, do we board it up? How do we go out and get food? These are important life skills to know, ladies and Did gentlemen. Did you really do that? Well, I, we lost power one day, so I needed to just do stuff for five minutes. So we just kind of had so like... So that's, that's what you landed on? Well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to teach them physics the whole time. They were like losing their... You ever seen the power go out at a high school? Kids are just like, it's bananas! We I, can't I, handle I, I, it! I, 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 I went to high school, yo. Oh, God. It was just terrible. That's Stephen Myrink, ladies and gentlemen. Taylor's on the board. Zidane Avatar, because he's the best. Oh, God. You're going to talk about Dissidia. Please, no. No, 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 no. Oh, I can't. Now, now I'm going to hey, do it just to spite you. Dissidia is amazing, but it's not. Yeah, it is. is it really, or is it one of those things yes. where... It, no, Dissidia is legitimately an awesome game. Like, it's actually it's really not fun. Just, yeah, it's like saying Dissidia sucks because it's fan service is like saying Smash Brothers sucks because it's just fan service. Like... The city has a really great single player component. It's a lot of fun, and the multiplayer is awesome. All right, all right. You can right. take it, it records videos of all your matches and lets you upload it to YouTube. A PSP game did that. D- didn't they make a Dissidia 2? That's what I'm playing. Uh, okay. I, I played the first one a ton, and I'm playing the new one now because I convinced people to. No, Rob, you forget. It's a Dissidia open bracket, 012 close bracket, duo decim. Duo decim. <laughs> yes. Let's, let, let's get it right if we're going to be talking about it, okay? My Seriously, God. man. One of my advisees, he he loves Kingdom Hearts, and I I just asked him one time, like I had enough. I was taking I was taking them all out for lunch, and I just said, I'm going to give you 20 minutes to explain the story of Kingdom Hearts to me. Tetsuya Nomura couldn't explain the story of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> he starts trying, and I said, I'm going to stop you when you get to the one that has a fraction in the title. That's when I'm going to stop you. Uh, that other voice that you heard was Derek Derek Heemsbergen. Yep, that's me. Embryon on the boards and Surf Avatar. Is that like a thing that we're doing as we're talking about our avatars? Well, I like your avatar too, so hey. yes, please do talk about Thanks, it. Man. It's it's my um, avatar tuner, I guess. Uh, <laughs> oh, speaking of which, hey, uh, I heard that uh, the publishing company Bento Books is putting out the Digital Devil Saga novels in English. Oh, least, sweet! Yeah, at least the first one, but there's five and uh, the first one is coming out early this year and that's amazing. I think they came out in like 09? Because the games came out quite a bit before that. I want to say 05. Are, are the novels actually the story of the game novelized? No, it's actually it's set in the same world. I don't remember. I don't know exactly what, what oh, it entails, but it's it's different. I thought you were talking about like the original original stories that the whole series is based off of, like from the eighties. That's what I thought you were getting yeah. into. Uh, just, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure those have been translated by fans. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, while we're talking about uh, avatars, you guys left me out. Thanks, guys. I was gonna point point out your avatar, but Derek was making an interesting point. He was, and it was a good point. Everybody knows what your avatar is. Oh, Rob's, okay. av- Rob's avatar is the fine counter from Resident Evil. It's awesome. 
Yep, and as we get closer to the Evil Within's release date, I will change it to Caution followed by Danger. So uh, <laughs> I'm really excited for that game, guys. Like I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm at that point where like I want more information to come out, but I don't. I am also really excited about it, but I'm also very upset that it's not an RPG. So, <sighs> but but I'm, I'm by... but you play a role. Wow, you brought it back. <laughs> I did bring it back. Thank I you. Did. You All brought right. it back. You're, it's, you're responsible this time. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, Steven's been playing an excellent game, uh, new game. Uh, Derek and I have kind of been playing some older games, and Derek will probably whistle the main theme of that game, followed by making fun of me for only now playing a series that has been around almost as long as hey, I've been I alive. Am, so. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm going to pat you on the back and gently rub you and make you feel... Can we like backpedal to the to... gently rub you part? Yeah, well, well you know, it's a hell of a massage. I don't care. I, I actually do, but I just want you to feel welcome into the the circle of East at long last, my friend. I'm gonna hold you to that when we're at E3. <laughs> okay. I'm hey, gonna... wait a minute, wait, no, 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 because last E3, Derek gave Dave a massage and Dave returned the favor. So don't think that you won't get one. Yeah, really, it happened really, and turns See, out Dave gets a good I, massage. I suck at giving massages. My hands are extremely small. You guys will find my freakishly small <laughs> hands. No, they really are. I've I have super small hands. There's a reason I didn't play football as a kid. This so is like, my favorite tangent. I didn't expect that from you. <laughs> oh lord. Yeah, that's why like you suck at video games. No, that that is. That is. well people complain about like, you know, oh my massive hands and the three D S and it just feels like crap and I'm like, Nope, feels great for me. Three D S designed for small handed freaks. Phenomenal. <laughs> Good for you. I feel really good about myself right now. I'm glad they've served you well. So tell us, uh, what Ease game have you been playing? I thought we were going to start with the Banner Saga. Oh. Wait, oh, no, let's talk about Ease while we're flowing into it, and we'll talk about Banner all Saga right, after. All right, we'll talk about Ease. We'll capture the moment, the heat uh, of the moment. I like it. I, Derek, I'm sorry. I tried to derail you. I apologize. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, so I am playing Ease Origin. Uh, I did what everybody said not to do. Where I think I think the suggestion was to play East 1 and 2, Oath, and then play Origin. I can't remember what you suggested, though, Derek. Everybody will tell you something different. I have probably told you <laughs> contradicting things. Uh, my personal recommendation order is Origin 1, 2, Oath. But that's just because I think Origin is the best intro to the series and gives you some interesting perspective for 1 and 2 in terms of, like, you can look at them and not be like, wow, this whole series sucks because it's going to be this archaic. You'll look at it like, oh, okay, well, this is where it started. And there are connections between 1 and 2 and Origin that you will get either way. You'll probably get more story-wise if you played one or two first, but well, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I, I'm really liking it. Uh, so I picked it up on PC. It was on massive Steam sale. I think they had all four games for like eleven bucks or something. So, like, uh, hell yeah. So I said, all right, let's do this. Um, I started playing as Unica first because um, I kind of got that Dragon's Crown vibe of like, hey, the other dude might be for like more advanced players. I, I kind of had that like screaming in the back of my head, and I was like, alright, I'm gonna go for, for this character. And I was really surprised how fast it was. I was like, holy crap, like, this yeah. is... Woo! This chop, is really... Chop, chop. Yeah, so it's... Uh, the uh, the analogy I, I made to the guys was, it's like when The Legend of Zelda came out, you could go down one of two paths. You could either make a game that was more puzzle-focused, or a game that was more combat-focused. Nintendo decided to go puzzly, you know, except for uh, Legend of Zelda 2, so that kind of kills my whole point. But anywho, like, the Zelda series has really started to focus on puzzles rather than combat. East is like they threw the puzzles out for the most part, and they just focused on combat. Yeah, and I prefer that, actually. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really liking it. I was surprised how fast it was. I didn't quite understand, like, all of the power-ups and everything that was going on during combat. I was like, wait a minute, why is my health now... Okay, uh, it looks like my speed has gone up by two. Uh, oh, oh, God, now, now my defense has gone up, but that's going to... What the hell is going... And I just realized... Oh, you mean the little things that you pick up? Yeah, like, I just realized, oh, I'm just picking up a lot of random crap that's making me stronger, so I'm just going to keep picking up random crap while I whack. Yeah. Best mentality to ever have as a video gamer. Yep. Yeah. No, it worked out very well. Uh, I, I took a little bit of time to get used to the controls. What I said to the guys was I, I didn't... Not having a dodge button felt really weird at first, and so I really had to plan out my attacks and be like, okay, I'm hitting this guy, I'm hitting this guy. The second he starts winding up, I need to get the hell out of dodge, and by not having a dodge mechanic, I, it made me like focus... Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah I see what I did. Uh, I just had to focus in a little bit more on the attack patterns and stuff, and so it's... It's interesting. I think the regular enemies are pretty much mooks. Like, I'm playing on normal, so I, I figure that they're way harder on the hard difficulties, but, like, they're nothing. It's the bosses that are like the, oh, God, here we go. This might be something that catches me for a little bit. Yeah, to me, East games feel almost like, <clears throat> like in regards to not having a dodge button, they they feel like a Mega Man game in a 3D space. I was actually about to say the emphasis on bosses makes me feel like it's Mega Man X, too. Yeah, which is part of why I love it, because I freaking love Mega Man. But, uh, yeah. Like any it's, sane it's... person? Yeah, exactly. The are, year, are there people that don't X, like Mega Man? In the year yeah, X. <laughs> those, aren't, those aren't humans. I mean, I think we've established time and time again that if nobody shares... Like, between the three of us, if if there aren't listeners out there that can agree with at least one of us, then those aren't humans. But anyway. Hold on, I'm going to stop you. Best Mega no. Man game. Best Mega Man game, go. Uh, well, are we talking X or classic? Doesn't matter. Pick one. That's, That's ridiculous. That's no, I'm making, I'm making you pick one. All right, I'm going to say X4. Oh, was not expecting that. It has zero. Okay. X, X5 gave X... Well, X5 is, like, in between good and bad, and then X6 is the one. They're like, let's just give X a sword and have it be a piece of crap with time limits. Steven? Like, if you fail. Uh, well... Everything. Generally speaking, uh, the Mega Man X series is my favorite. Wow. Um, but uh, I would probably say Mega Man Legends 2 is my favorite Mega Man game. Well, I feel old. <laughs> but uh, now, well, on, mean, that, on, on that note, though, if I had to pick one from each subseries, it would be Mega Man Legends 2, Mega Man X3 and 4, and Mega Man 9. And uh, X1 is really good. Well, I think, I think X1, yes. 2, 3, 4 are all really good. Um, 1 is really, really perfected. It's it's a lot like Super Mario Brothers three and just like everything flows very well in that game. I I would have gone uh, Mega Man X is probably my second favorite Mega Man game, but I, I gotta go with Mega Man two. Mega Man two is like that. Uh, oh my god! I used to play that game over and over again. The music, yeah. the levels, and it was so. And, and this may make me sound you know like a Nancy boy, but it was easy. Like it was a beatable game for like. You know what's game. funny to me is that. I think the nostalgia goggles have made people think the original Mega Man series was impossibly difficult because it wasn't. So, like, when Mega Man 9 came out, I was not expecting it to be as difficult as it was, which is, you know, I like that, but I realize that's not normal. And, like, I'm like, you know, you guys remember that your original series is way easier than this, right? Well, Mega Man 1 is pretty hard. Mega Man 1 is, like, there, there's some, like, enemies will kill you in one or two shots. Mega Man 2 is pretty easy, but don't they have an, uh, they have a harder mode in that game, though. But I always played it on, like, normal or easy, whatever it was. But the fact that it was beatable for a young kid, that just really, like, filled me with hope. 
like even though I always died on Quick Man's stage over and over again, we are way off topic. But it's a good topic to be on. It's it's Mega Man, and now I got Metal Man's music stuck in my head, and I'm just really happy right now because that was yeah. always my favorite. Any and all Mega Man music is is worth celebrating. Also, the yeah, E's music is really good. Yeah, yeah, actually, what are you telling uh, you, man? I I I like it a lot. I like you know. I lost count of the number of times they say I don't love it as much as most people, but I think it's awesome in the game and like the boss battle themes in particular are just totally rad. It's yep. a, those are games that I leave on sometimes. Like if I'm playing one, I will leave it on and like while I'm doing other stuff in my room and just listen to the songs over and over because I don't do that a lot with games. Like if if I'm playing a game, I need to get up all paused or muted or something. But those games, I just let it go. Yeah. Uh, Have I, you gone to Silent Desert yet? I think I just got there. Oh man, that's my favorite song in the game. I am starting to get like a little. I, I think I've played for maybe four or five hours over the past two days, and I'm I'm happy to hear that it's only like a ten hour game with each character because I am sort of reaching that like, okay, I, I see what this game is about, and I'm liking it, but it's not it's not doing anything to kind of hold my interest. I think like uh, the the newest Tomb Raider game kind of had the same thing where like after a couple hours, I was like, all right, I've kind of seen everything that you're gonna do. It was too late. I'd seen everything. Well, it, it just, like, I don't need new mechanics constantly, but new scenarios kind of keep me engaged. The, the Ease game, uh, Ease Origin, has actually done some really cool stuff. Like, I didn't... I thought my controller was glitching out on one of the bosses, but then I realized, oh, I'm actually slipping on his little minion's, like, slime, and that's keeping me from properly getting out of the way of attacks. And I thought that was really unique. I kind of wanted to see more of that, though. Like, the the kind of playing around with the environments and making me really feel like I'm a part of that. And you get that in some of the bosses, but others are a little bit more straightforward. Yeah, but yeah well, I, I, I would say Origin is very arcadey. And, uh, like, you know, that's kind of the, the, you know, the gist of it being an arcadey game is that, you know, it's brief, it's quick, it's got a mechanic that's fun, and once it's done, it's done. It gets out of the way. Yeah, I would say I'm liking it. Uh, my only real complaint, and I think that, that this is what Derek said when I first started this to begin with, I have no idea what's going on. And, and frankly, I do not care. I'm just like, okay, I, there be some goddesses that need saving. Why do they need saving? Who are these people? Why, what? What is going... You know what? Screw it. I'm just going to whack things with an axe. I, I know a little bit about... Uh... The Yee's lore, and like I was able to follow it, um, and this may disappoint Derek, but I actually think Yee's has kind of a silly storyline too. It's like it's more like this this chronicle of Adol, and he's important, and here's all of his adventures that are important because yeah. he's Adol. And I'm like, yeah, but every single one of them is a Saturday morning anime where he meets a girl, she's important, his buddy joins him, and then they go and fight some local bad guy. Yeah, I and don't think any one game think... has like an amazing, amazing, amazing plot. Um... Go ahead. Oh no, but like I, you know, I don't think it's it's bad. I just, you know, the series is not designed to have this in-depth storyline. Like it has a lot of background, which is cool. Um, you know, I guess it just never especially grabbed me. I think it's a really lore-heavy series um, because the the action in each game, like the the narrative action, is always, like you said, very focused and somewhat predictable. Um, you may be like characters sometimes can be surprising the way that some characters change or act. But for the most part, it's like you can predict what's going to happen. It's like, oh, no, uh, this person is trying to recover an ancient artifact. I'm sure they won't use it for evil and try to destroy the world. <laughs> like that's that's a lot of the plots in these games. But there's a lot of really interesting series 
history just in that Adol's travelogues number in the hundreds. I mean, according to, to official lore, like he has hundreds of travelogues and we've only experienced in game form like seven or eight of them. Um, but yeah, uh, it's. I just think it's cool how sometimes like there are lots of nods in games to other East games. Like you'll be in a place and people will be talking about uh, some other region. Like, oh, I've heard that there's this place called Kefin and it's buried in sand and there's stuff there. And you're like, oh, well, that's irrelevant. But then there's actually a whole game about that. Um, and characters come back and stuff. Yeah, but you're right, though. You're right that no single one is like on the edge of your seat. Amazing with twists and shocking stuff. I do think that um, in East Origin in particular, there is a, a third character that you can play as after you beat it at least once. And that character's story is way more interesting than the other two, just in yeah. that it's it's told in a different way. And it's it's just a lot more dense and has a lot more emotional weight, I would say. And yeah, it I, has like an extra bit at the end. I'd like to see that character like i know who that character is i looked it up online and so i'm kind of like okay when i beat the game let me see if i want to do it again kind of is the game going to hold my attention enough what i kept flashing back to it is was, the most interesting and enjoyable character to play as well i really wish they hadn't hidden him i understand why they did it i just wish you know there's a little part of me that's like can i just go into like the edit files for the game and just activate him because I'm pretty sure um, I... Because you would lose... I mean, you have oh, I know. one of the other two first in terms of story. You would miss out on a ton. Yeah, I wouldn't have... It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't really... be interesting to start as him. Right. I think what um what this kind of highlighted for me was, like... I, I kept having flashbacks to, like, Fantasy Star while I was playing this. And, and the reason I'm saying that is because it is such a, a heavy anime influence. And I really like anime that's kind of... I don't want to say shocking, but, like, challenging... Like, I, I like anime that maybe goes for a little bit of a sci-fi angle, or it really it's dealing with some really weighty subject matter. Mm-hmm. And I watch Attack on Titan. Well, I, I just kind of wish that Ease had a little bit of, you know, more stones, if I can make it like... I'm really trying to find a way to articulate this, but yeah. I just wish that there was more at stake. Okay, maybe that's a better way of saying it. I wish that there were bigger stakes, because it feels like what Derek's saying, there is this world that I'm kind of intrigued by like anytime you got demons running around i think that's kind of cool i'm I'm all for it uh demons are people too but i want to know more about it and instead i'm kind of focused on this like you know nancy girl and her like oh her dead dad and getting her dead dad's sword and i'm like okay i don't care about that stuff what's going on with these goddesses because i want to know what's going on with these two yeah i think you're looking you're looking definitely for some more intellectual intellectual depth or like some psychological issues maybe with the characters like i'm not gonna get it am i um i mean no i'm not gonna say that you're not at all but it's it's not as deep as serial experiments lane or neon genesis (laughs) or (laughs) what can i say i just really want uh a girlfriend in the game that has cat ears and she's gonna get killed midway through and just break everybody for all of their childhood I didn't say what I was referencing. It could have been anything. Yeah, but I knew. <laughs> I don't know what you're referencing. There you go. You're, really? What? Fantasy Star Man? Come on. Come on, dude. Wake up. <laughs> no? Still nothing? I don't think oh, you played two. Oh, cat, cat ears. I got you. No, yeah. I played two. Yeah, two I just remember two beating my ass. That's well, all I remember about that's two. That's what those <laughs> games do. They're just stupid hard. Did I see, did I see correctly that we're getting a Monster Hunter clone for our next Fantasy Star game? 
Actually, uh, there's been rumors uh, Sega just hired a developer to help localize an in-service MMO from Japan. And Sega has one MMO in service right now. Mm. Uh, and this was as recently as this month, so... Can they uh, just... Okay, Sega, can you guys please just make a Fantasy Star for Vita or 3DS? Just a traditional that... Fantasy Star game. That's what I want. It could be sprites. I don't care. Like, that's that's one of the reasons I'm really excited, like, maybe Bravely Default can kind of, like, restart the traditional JRPG a little bit here. That would be kind of nice, because... Um, yeah, I actually read... I, I really appreciated the review on Destructoid for Bravely Default, because it was like, hey, remember when everybody actually really liked JRPGs and didn't crap on them all the time? Like, this is... I, I feel... When I play this game, that that's how I feel. Like, JRPGs are still in and still meaningful and still, like an awesome thing that people enjoy, which yeah, there's still a lot of people who do like me, especially like I think all of us like JRPGs to an extent. Um, but yeah, I, I think bravely default is kind of almost like, it feels very much like a Renaissance JRPG. Like remember when, remember all the things you liked about JRPGs? Well, here's that, but we cut out all of the stupid tedium and gave you a ton of options for making the game more convenient. Yeah. So, and I, I just like, it was such a heyday in, like, the PlayStation 1 era and being able to pick up, you know, your Sega channel and play absolutely... Sega channel, man. That was it. Hey, hey, we're getting a new version of it with PlayStation now. I think we should talk about that in news. Uh, such excite. There were so many really cool things, and it's like, traditional JRPGs have their place, and Derek hit the nail on the head. Like, the stuff that Bravely Default's doing with the Tedium, man, if you just applied that to a Fantasy Star game, just... Oh, like it's right there, guys. Like hire yep. five people to work on this thing for a year and you'll have something. Yep. Like, come on. But anywho, uh, East, East, I really like it. Uh, I think this is one of those things where like, I'm going to have to play this and then like take a break for a little bit. Yeah. Take a break, but not too long. That, not so long that you forget plot. Cause I, I really would push you to play through third character. Like if you don't want to play through, um, Hugo's, is, that, is that his name? Hugo? Yeah, I think it's Hugo. Hugo. If you don't want to play through Hugo's, don't. But like, definitely play through his third character. It's okay. it's so worth it. It, it the buildup is, yeah. There, I mean, the payoff rather at the end is is really really worth it. I have to be so careful when I get these like compilation games or whatever, like uh, on Steam sale or uh, they'll package like, hey, you'll get all of the Tomb Raider games for like a buck fifty or whatever, because like you think you're going to be able to sit down and play all of them, but you actually need a break. And I think yeah. that that plays into this whole like franchise fatigue that we've been having lately is, is like, if I, I don't think I can play an open world game right now, guys, I've got sleeping dogs loaded up on my uh, computer. Cause I just got my new graphics card and who is it nice. And like, I wanted to start playing sleeping dogs and I was like, I don't want to play another open world game. And then I'm like, Okay, well, I could finish Grand Theft Auto. No, I don't want to play another open world. Like, I need a break from those type of games. That's why East is like a palate cleanser right now. Yeah. It's just really focused in, like, You know what's around. funny? Is I'm having the exact opposite. Like, I haven't played an open world game in a really long time, and to this day, I still don't own any games for my PS4 that I bought at launch. Uh, I mean, disc games. So I, I went and bought a used copy of Assassin's Creed 4 because I was like, I just want to run around because I never do that in games anymore. And it's been really, really fun. Yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of fatigue with genres right now. Like, I mean, yeah. everything everything in their mother is now an open world game. I mean, uh... it, it's kind of funny, actually, because I actually got Assassin's Creed 4 with my PS4 and I thought it was, you know, an improvement over the other ones. But I still kind of nothinged it. But then I played the demo for Lego Marvel Superheroes. 
<laughs> and traded it and got that because Lego games I already like, but this one's awesome. And it actually has an, a hub area of New York. And uh, like I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. I wonder if it's like all can like the Harry Potter one. Like the Harry Potter hub world was like the three broomsticks. So you could go to like the different levels. But in this one, it's like all of a sudden I'm outside of the level and I'm Iron Man and I turn on my jets that normally just make you hover. And I start rocketing through the city and I'm like, what? So you can fly through, you can like, you can fly all the way up to the shield helicarrier and then you can skydive back down. It's super cool. I think what I'm also finding is the games that I really enjoy, you know, it isn't just open world games that we have right now, your Grand Theft Autos, your Assassin's Creed, your Far Cry 3s. We also have like the, I kind of call them like Metroidvania style games that have really exploded. So Tomb Raider, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City. Uh, we're going to get another one with, uh, I think Thief is kind of doing something similar with its hub world, where they're they're not open world games, but they have large environments. Uh, Also, that other game we're not allowed to talk about until March. Um, I really like those interconnected worlds. I think I like interconnected worlds more because it feels like it has less filler. Yeah, I actually, I agree completely. It feels like, like, it's a focused design thing where, like, you're getting something that was handcrafted and designed to be, like, you know, so it's not like Skyrim where, oh, hey, random quest co- pops up. X character wants you to get X thing from X dungeon. And, and, like, those kind of games, it's like, you know, there can be, like, you know, sort of puzzles set up and interesting things like that. Well, I also just don't want to have a checklist anymore in a game. I've said that before on the show quite a number of times is I don't want a checklist. I want to go out and explore at my own free will and get what I want. But when, like, an Assassin's Creed game is like, hey, go out and get all these pages of Poor Richard's Almanac, or hey, go open up all these chests, and it's just like, okay, I have a job. I'd, I'd really like it if, if your game would, would not be a job. I yeah. want it to be fun. And actually, I, I'm replaying Tomb Raider a little bit. I, I'm starting to appreciate that game more. I think that game does a lot of things really, really well, and maybe I wasn't tuned into it. I, th- I think that's actually a pretty good game in a lot of ways. Just wish oh, it was yeah. more Tomb Raiding. I want to try the definitive edition of that, actually, but I can't bring myself to like buy it again. Well, also, you have to get the definitive edition on PlayStation 4 because it runs at 60 frames a second. Yeah, that's what I would get it for. Man, Microsoft is just like... Could they get any worse press... Like, really, when a game comes out and, hey, we're going to run... You remember, because I'm going to throw it back, because you remember when Madden first came out on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, and it was the same problem in reverse. And so 360 had the 60 frames per second Madden, and Microsoft was just gloating up and down, and rightfully so. I mean, if your game is playing better on that console, you should be proud of that. I actually think it's funny, too, because um, I think what Microsoft's strategy is, is to just kind of do what Nintendo does and no longer attempt to directly compete with Sony and just rely on their built-in audience to sell it because I I have zillions of friends that are like, I just bought an Xbox, man. It's just cooler. I don't like PlayStation. Like, why don't you yeah, like it? I don't know. I don't it know just why sucks. Thing. Um, and I, I think that will help work for them for like a year. And then eventually all of those people who are playing Bones are going to be like, oh, my friends bought a PS3, PS4 and they're loving it. And then eventually the tide is going to turn. And Microsoft, I think, is foolish for thinking that it won't. Well, you know, I, I'm very happy with my PC with an upgraded graphics card and with the promise of Mantle kind of helping out to uh, increase performance. I really don't feel a need to get a new console right now, although with this PlayStation Now service, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, that could do it. So... PS4 Anywho. is awesome for a lot more than just graphics, yo. Oh, I know. Like, I know. The, the functionality that they're including is nuts. And they're actually making the Vita worth a damn. 
which is pretty Well, the awesome. Vita was worth a damn already uh, because it has a ton of games. It just doesn't have a ton of EA uh, games. I'd fight with you a little bit on that. I think they got some really awesome games. I will not... fight very heartily with you on that, but it'll take forever. That's a whole other topic. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, all right, so East is pretty awesome. I'm enjoying it. I think I'm going to keep going with it. And I got to make a decision on Bravely Default if I'm going to play it. Because as I was saying in the pre-show, like I have free time right now. And then the end of February happens where, wh- God, what all comes out? Thief comes out. Castlevania Lords of Shadow comes out. Two weeks later, the end of the world happens. And I will go into a very deep, dark place while I play that game. Um, there, There's just too much and so i don't i don't want bravely default to be lost in the shuffle and i feel like if i start it and i get sidetracked i'm not going to come back to it got a month though and but it's about three weeks and i this is also like the last this is like a really big push in terms of school so i don't have a lot of time to really like i actually probably won't be playing dark souls 2 for now well i am not going to play it on a console Yep. And get slowed down and nonsense because the PC version of one lazy port or not is still better. So I think we're waiting until May. I really do. Are you I, really going to wait an extra two months to play that game? Uh, yeah. I have time to play through it now anyway. Rob might not. Rob will probably go out and buy it for PS3. Are you serious? Uh, like, I wouldn't I, be able to wait. I might break down. Uh, I might fully break down and go get it and i'm really disappointed and if you watch the facebook page for dark souls 2 it's like every other comment is what the hell's going on with the pc version like namco needs to get out in front of that namco bandai needs to make a statement on that because it's getting out of control like guys it's it's a month away can we like figure out what the hell we're doing here a little bit please anywho yeah anywho uh, do we want to talk about Banner Saga now, or... Yeah, let's talk about Banner Saga now. Let's sure. talk about that. So, I reviewed it. I gave it, um, upon a cursory check over my reviews, which is very cursory, I think it's actually the highest review score I've ever given. Um, which was how high? How high? Uh, I gave it a 95 in overall. Uh, and I don't care to use numbers, normally. Um... But since we're required to use numbers and we exist in a world where numbers are relevant, yada, 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 blah, 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 um, I had to make sure it reflected, like, my my numbers reflected how I feel about it. Because I actually waited a few days to write my review, which I don't normally do, which, take it or leave it. But just so I could, like, like because I was playing it and I, I kept telling everybody, I'm like, this game is amazing. Like, this game is all of the things that I enjoy in a game together. Like, just really really great and so i was like all right i want to make sure i'm not just hyping it in my head yada 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 so i beat it and then i waited a couple days and i was like actually liking it even more i was like oh god i remember this moment and that moment and then kyle played it and i was really hyping it to kyle and i was worried he wasn't going to like it and i was going to be like crazy he's like no it's amazing i'm like okay good at least one other person thinks it's amazing so yeah i gave it like a 95 in graphics it's our numbers are stupid it's incredibly gorgeous. The <laughs> numbers soundtrack are, numbers are dumb. They are dumb. This comes from a humanities major with two language degrees. So don't ask me about numbers. You know my uh, stats on numbers. I know exactly how you feel about numbers, mm-hmm. Mr. Steinman. Mm-hmm. And uh, get off Left for Dead too. I'm talking. Have um, you seen how my graphics card runs? <laughs> it's Left for Dead. It runs perfectly. <laughs> I know. I think it's going to um, be like 500 frames a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, <laughs> going to jump out of the screen at you. <laughs> But, you know, 
I, I sort of followed it a little bit when it was being kickstarted. I was like, oh, cool, you know, former Bioware guys. I like former Bioware guys because, you know, everybody likes former Bioware guys. They wrote great stuff. And uh, I totally fell off it when the Banner Saga Factions came out, like the multiplayer part. Because I was like, this is gorgeous. I love the strategy gameplay. I go, but I don't like the structure of this multiplayer component. So I sort of, like, stopped paying attention to it altogether. And then it, you know, this one came out. This is, you know, the, the, the single-player campaign. And I saw, like, one video of it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It's got, like, this decision-making mechanic in it where you're caravan. Like, people have been comparing it to Oregon Trail. And, you know, that's that's a decent enough comparison, I guess. But I, I, didn't, I never remember finding Oregon Trail this compelling or me actually caring about my people in Oregon Trail as much as I did in this. And, like, that, that's what I really, like, would, would highlight when someone says, hey, what's great about this game? The, the combat is awesome, and I'll, we'll talk about that. And, like, the, the character building and all that stuff is great. But it's just, Mass Effect has this AAA budget behind it. It has this huge marketing campaign going, this is a game that respects your choices and changes based on your choices. And to an extent, it does. This game barely even mentions it on the Steam page that, yeah, you have to make decisions. But it's awesome. Like... You're walking, all of a sudden it's like, hey, you notice that two little kids are missing from the caravan. Do you send some scouts after them? Do you go after them yourself? Do you ignore them? Do you wait for them? And each one of those gives you a completely different scenario. And at first it seems canned. It's like, oh, I sent out someone to search for them and they came back. And the two kids had found a boar, so now you have more supplies. And you're like, oh, great. But then way later in the game it pops up again. It's like, those two kids are really sick now. What happened? And it's because the boar was you know, poisoned by something. And all of a sudden your morale is dropping and poison is spreading through all your people. Like, you know, that's like a hypothetical, like that's not an actual situation in the game, but those are the kinds of things that come up. And like, people will walk up and say, hey, can I join your caravan? And it seems it's this like innocuous choice that, you know, hours and hours later, that dude will slit someone's throat in their sleep and you'll lose a, full, a permanent party member forever. Like, Whoa. just all of these decisions. And it's never like totally out of the blue. Like, you know, there's context on this guy where if you look at it, you're like, oh yeah, he would have done that. And, like, people that you don't trust turn out to be, like, your staunchest defenders. Like, there's so many interesting decisions they ask you to make um, just in terms of, like, the morale of your caravan and that sort of thing. And, you know, what you do in the story is just awesome. And it, it really impacts who you'll have in your party. I uh, really want to play that. Yeah, now I'm, I'm kind of excited. I, I cooled on it a little bit, like... Because we played the demo for that game. What was that? Almost a year ago. That's what I was saying. Factions, the multiplayer thing. Yeah, like, but I feel like it came out too soon. Like, I was really excited for that game. I I really liked what I had played in Factions. But then I was like, oh yeah, when's this coming out? And it, I just kind of forgot about it. That's the thing I did too, and I'm I'm glad I did. Um, and now I wish I, well, I, I don't wish I hadn't because now I didn't have to wait for it. But it like. That, that multiplayer component only gives you a taste of a very grindy version of the game. And this game is not about grinding. You cannot grind at all, ever. Uh, There's absolutely no grinding. There's You fight a battle and you move on. Um, which makes it meaningful because Renown, the resource that you your characters with, is also the resource you use to buy supplies and equipment. So there'll be situations where it's like, I have two days of supplies left and I'm right outside of camp. Do I spend my Renown and promote one of my characters to make him better? significantly better or do i save it and buy supplies uh so you know there's there's a lot of like really compelling decision making there and like the last the last leg of the game for me was pretty much they could have titled that chapter the miserable your people is starving and your closest <laughs> friends are dying in their sleep and you have no supplies uh, it's it's really somber but it's just it's so 
the what I like about it is that there's RPG progression where you can level up your characters and you distribute their stat points, and that can really affect your characters. Like, there's only, I think, six stats, but they're all very, like, they have an immediate, directly discernible effect on combat. Like, do you, uh, exertion is a stat that every character has. You have a, a, every character has MP, basically, but it's willpower. And exertion allows you to spend points of willpower to make an attack more powerful or to move further on the battlefield. So if you if you take your you know your big hulking guy and you give him a ton of exertion, not only is he already really strong, but you can like up his exertion up so he can spend a ton of willpower to be even stronger. So you can like one shot stuff, and it's always awesome when you do. And there's this really interesting back and forth between like armor and strength. Your armor basically your your strength is your health and your attack power. So if you have ten strength and ten armor, and you hit a guy with ten armor, you'll do zero, you'll do one damage because his armor cancels all your attack. But if you attack his armor directly and you smash and whittle his armor down, then if he's only got two armor and you attack with 10 strength, you do eight damage to him. So it's this really interesting sort of tactical consideration of, do I whittle this guy down so that way I can take him down in one shot later? Or do I whittle his health down, doing less damage to it, but stop him from doing as much damage to me? And so the types of characters you get, like, you know, I, I had a really archer-heavy party. So I would often, you know, just whittle people's armor down. And then by the time they got to me, I'd have my one melee guy just run up and dump truck them with an axe. And it was awesome. So uh, have I mentioned that I want to play this game? <laughs> you have. And I, I, I heartily recommend it. I'm getting to the point where I'm going to start buying it for people because I want more people to have played it. I'm always up for free games, Steven. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. Yeah, I boy. Yeah, because it's like 25 right now. And I the only reason why I haven't jumped on it is because it's like, well, it, it was five dollars less when it came out and i feel foolish for not getting it right away and i'm like i don't want to spend five extra dollars just because i was a slow ass like I don't know. so now I, it's five dollars i know but I was, well, i'm whining i've been whining about it like mm. so are there character classes in the game like i know that there's like different types of creatures like there's like big hulking giant dudes but is there that we're not going into like vagrant uh, i almost said vagrant story we're not going into like tactics ogre style you know knight characters that sort of thing are we so what you have is there's three races in the game. There's the humans, there's the Varl, which are the big hulking dudes with horns, and then there's the Dredge, which are like stone. They seem like automatons um, that are sort of the main antagonist, but not really. Um, your party is only comprised of humans and Varl, and uh, every single character is unique. You don't get any generic characters, and each character there's 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 classes. Um, but rarely do you get more than one or two of the same class. Like, you know, you'll get, like, a ranger, and then you get, like, a pathfinder. You'll get, like, a Varl war captain. And all of them have different abilities and different special powers to them. And so who you choose to use is a lot of replayability in the characters you use, because I think there's, like, 20-something playable characters total, and you can only bring six to battle. And I favored a couple, so... Because, I mean, again, you can't max everyone out. You can't grind. So the characters you favor are great, which is, again, why it's really cool when... In a story cutscene, because of a bad decision you made, one of your favorite high-ranked characters gets axed for good. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ah! Like, it really creates this sense of... Like, I actually thought you'd probably hate that part of it, because you'd be like, I spent all this time building him up. What the hell? Uh, but that's kind of the, the, the vibe the game is going for. And you're never totally screwed when that happens, but... Well, that's the thing with, like, XCOM. That actually can totally screw you. And that that's what, like... That's when XCOM stopped being fun. And again, it always comes down to the rules of the strategy game. Do I understand the rules? Is it, it Did the character die because I made a bad decision? If it's a story piece, you know, that kind of gets into the FTL, like, well, maybe you shouldn't have thought that, like, everything was going to be okay. You know, maybe you should have been a little bit more cautious. And I See, can deal with that. 
that's what's great about this game is that it's it, it seems simple on the surface. When you look, you go, there's only six stats. You can only put points in five of them, and they all have an upper limit. You can never stack a character beyond beyond belief. Um, but because of that, you always know exactly how the battle can go. You can see every enemy. You can see all their abilities. You know that guy can come up and hit me and shred my armor immediately. So you know, it, like, I never, ever, ever felt like anything was cheap. The final boss battle is the only roadblock in the game because it demands a really, really specific strategy. And I didn't really play that way. I play very conservative, and you have to use a really aggressive strategy on it to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of a roadblock. But, um, spacing out. But yeah, like what I what I like about the combat is just it, it it's this really awesome balance between the RPG progression because you get that you every character can equip an item and your items all have pretty dramatic effects, um, and you can control how you distribute their stats. Like if you I made all of my archers have super high exertion and really high armor damage, so my 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 archers would just, like I said they would shred everybody's armor and then I just club them with my melee guy, and. Uh, but it, there's not so much RPG progression that strategy isn't still the winner of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've gone into battles where it's like I'd get everybody but one character killed because I got lazy on strategy, even though my party was awesome. So it's like you, you, you need strategy. And that's what I love about it is it, you know, I love Final Fantasy Tactics, but Final Fantasy Tactics, you can supplant strategy with an appropriate application of Blade Grasp and Double Handed with, from Monk. You know, you can win every battle that way. Uh, in this, you can never just be like, "Oh, I'll just go ahead and snooze through this." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you Always are a fan. <laughs> you are a fan of the Banner Saga, is what you're telling me. Uh, heartily. Uh, the every aspect of it is awesome to me. Like the the menus are a little clunky occasionally, but you're in them so little that it didn't really matter. Um, and the ending is very, very abrupt. because um, it's our. They've already said it's going to be a trilogy. Um. You, you complete the arc of the story in this one, but the ending is so insufficient that I'm a little that I it's the one thing I wrote I wrote a few qualms I had with it in my review and one of the few things I had is that people are going oh well why are you upset about the abrupt ending it's going to get two sequels and I'm like yes but this isn't episodic it's going to get two sequels in like a year and a half yeah oh, so it's Golden Sun Dark Dawn except a sequel never came out to that correct uh, and this will definitely get a sequel because it's just been you know they, they, it's been ridiculously successful but it's just tiny little stories with each of the characters just have stuck with me i like the satisfaction from the battles are so cool like you get one guy who can pull lightning down from the sky and zap people with it and he's the only character who gets magic so a it's significant and it's cool because he's the only one who can do it it's not like tactics where you get mustadio and he's great except that he's got three unique abilities and then he's just everybody else and so like there are times where this guy's lightning move will arc diagonally and you have other characters that can knock people back. And I had one battle where I was fighting. It was four of my guys alive. And there were like six enemies. And I knocked them into an X shape somehow. And I hit the middle of lightning and zapped all of them and killed all of them at once. And it was the coolest thing ever. I took like 30 screenshots of it. And I even mentioned it in the review. I'm like, it's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and this I'm was sure a guy. I'll it more once I played it. Yeah, it's. I'll, I'd be happy to answer questions you have about it. But I. I advise nobody to not play it. I had a guy that... I advise I'm... no one to not play it. <laughs> I, Yeah, my bad. I uh, I had a guy on Twitter that was like, I never play games on PC, but I'm staking your reputation on this. I'm going to play it. And he tweeted me today, and he's like, I can't comment on what you just said because I'm too busy having beaten the Banner Saga. And I'm like, 
so is that your way of telling me that you liked it? He's like, yeah, I thought it was really awesome. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's right. But you were disappointed with the ending, and now it's a question of, you know, how long is it going to take them to bring another one out? That That's and a bummer. That is a bummer. It is. Uh, like, you get immediate resolution for the conflict that is happening in in the, the moment of, like, the final battle. Because they, they set up for this overarching story, which is another strength of the game, is that you have all these awesome character moments, like Mass Effect style, but the overarching plot is re- getting to be really interesting, too. Because you have, like, you know, it feels really intimate, even though they're like, yeah, the world is going to be, you know, the world is kind of ending. The sun has gone out, so that's why it's so cold everywhere. And there's, like, supposedly this, like, dark serpent that's going to devour the entire world that, you know, you only see in, like, fever dreams and stuff that really it's gave the me Nid-Hog. all this game it's, it's the uh, Nidhogg! I can't, I can't comment on that. Uh, but, it, uh, so, you know, you have this great overarching story and great character moments. So, the overarching story, the arc that you're on gets resolved at the end by virtue of the fact that, you know, whatever happens. But all of the character storylines just kind of stop because the ending is literally, it focuses on one character, what happens to that one character, and then it ends. Mm-hmm. I'm glad our response is. Mm. But I, I, I also would advise you not to say, "Oh, it's like The Wolf Among Us." I'm just going to wait till the whole, all four episodes are out and play it. This is a full game. This isn't. This isn't part of a game. It's part of a story. But I felt completely satisfied when I finished it. Hmm. Now, at, at the risk of moving very quickly away from the Banner Saga, uh, you know, I said in the pre-show, "Hey, we can talk about the Banner Saga, and then that'll lead us to talking about Unsung Story." And then, Steven, you said something very interesting to me that I was not expecting. I don't think anyone was. I uh, I am, well, you know me, I'm a Matsuno fan. And uh, I, I actually took, I, I removed, my, I revoked my pledge. Um, not because I don't have faith in the project, and not because I don't think the game will be good, because, I mean, it could very well be. But my problem is they, they've been honest in saying Matsuno is just a consultant. He's not designing anything. Uh, uh... He's not designing anything. But they have Akiko Yoshida. He's doing the uh, the graphics or the the artwork, so it's you know it's going to look like that. There, I very much doubt they're going to hit their stretch goal that gets Hitoshi Sakimoto involved. So, so they have, and then like Alexander Smith, like the translator of a lot of Matsuno's works, they have all these names, but they're just kind of throwing them out there. And those people are all saying we support the project, but a I don't see it getting the financial backing to have those people involved, and b when you take it all away. You have a mobile developer making a strategy RPG that Yasumi Matsuno is going, yeah, it sounds good, too. And that's just, to me, I don't like strategy RPGs just because they're strategy RPGs. I love that genre when they're really good, but I don't like the sort of throwaway experiences, and I especially don't like elitism. I don't like mobile games. So I know it's probably going to be coming to other platforms, but... They're a mobile developer. That's their experience. I really, I'm, I'm concerned that this game is going to be strategy RPG light mobile style on Vita, and I don't want to buy strategy RPG the app. I want to buy a Yasumi Matsuno game. No, I, th- I think you're being very honest, and that makes a whole lot of sense. And I, I kind of felt like they were backing off a little bit on his involvement as well. As we've kind of moved forward, and you know they've been honest about it, and yeah, yeah, and like I really hope the project succeeds, and I will absolutely buy it if it comes out, and it's you know supposed to be pretty rad. I just I don't know, like Kickstarter is kind of like venture capitalism. Like I've backed at least one Kickstarter 
that I know for a fact is not going to come out, and I'm not going to say which one because I don't want to be, you know, mean. But I, I, when when you're getting emails six months into development that development hasn't even started, and they're like looking at musicians and artists, it it really you're like, all right, I I don't think this project's coming out, and I think this one probably will come out. I just you can be honest, Stephen. You contributed to Shadow of the Eternals, didn't you? No, definitely not. <laughs> uh, and I love Eternal Darkness, but uh, yeah, you know, overrated. Sorry. Well, like it's, it's no, it's not. It's yeah, amazing. no, it really is. It's Stop. not. It's not a very good game. Stop. Yeah, I think it's a good game. It, it's it's gimmicky. It's gimmicky, and it has an interesting story, but the gameplay is kind of meh. Your podcast gimmicky. It's just about video games. Is it? Uh, well, yeah. that game's dumb. Dumb when you swing weapons and like close. Yeah, so the actual... It's just like Dark Souls, so what's the problem? No, what I'm saying is that the gameplay portion of Eternal Darkness is the bad part of the game. Are you sure? The the story and, like, the freakout moments are pretty good, but it, like, the actual gameplay is not very good. It's it's fun. It's passable. But the way I usually look at Kickstarter, a lot of people think that they're backing and... They think they're pre-ordering a game. That's what a lot of people think they're doing, and it's venture capitalism... And I, I kind of do look at it as pre-ordering a game, but I only back the ones that I feel like are sh- I'm sure they're going to be coming out, even if I'm not sure they're going to be delivering on their promises. As long as I know I'm going to get a game, I don't mind. And in this case, I'm even pretty sure I'll get the game. I just don't know if that's going to be the kind of game that I'd want to play. No, I, I think that's very fair. I think that the, the Kickstarter movement for me has gotten a little frustrating because there's a lot of games that I was I was interested in, the Banner Saga being one of them when we talked about it. And when it didn't come out for a year, uh, I kind of the the radio well, silence is almost deafening, and I get it. Like I I understand game well, development. Did, I understand. Did you back it? No, I didn't. But what I'm well, saying that's why is, there's radio silence. You you have to back it to get the updates. No, I understand. But like I played the demo, and I was like, hey, this seems awesome. This is coming out in a month, right? And then everyone's like, no, it's not coming out for another year. And I was like, oh. I do want to. I, I want to correct you on calling it the demo. That's not the demo. That is the multiplayer okay. component of the okay. game. Okay. All right. All right. But still, it was my first taste of the game. I think it was a little too soon, and I think that that some of these games are getting announced, and then it's kind of like they go away for a long time. And I don't want to say they get lost in the shuffle, but because there are so many indie titles being announced. They do kind of get lost in the shuffle. I guess that is what I'm saying. Like, I'm still excited for Routine, which is that space horror game that looks like Amnesia in on the moon. I'm still excited for that game. I feel like I've been waiting for that game for two years now. And well, that's, like, that's the thing is, you know, you probably have, and that's that's what I mean. Where a lot of people look at Kickstarter as I'm pre-ordering a game, and you're really not. You're you're dumping money into an adventure that's going to maybe bear fruit in like a year or two. That, and I think the best mentality is to back stuff and then forget about it. No, no, no. I, I, I see where you're coming from. I just, I guess I would just like a little bit. I don't, I don't really know what I'm saying here. I just, it, it's hard for me to keep track of all the, it, I feel like we're in the middle of this huge indie boom, which is awesome, but it's also starting to become like white noise. It's start, things are starting to get lost because there's so much going on. You know what I mean? Like, well, I don't really feel like that impacts the quality of a project, though. I mean, no, it doesn't impact the quality of the project, but it does mean that you could get drowned out by, like, you know, the latest, oh, I don't know, Diablo clone or the latest 
first-person horror game that just came out. I mean, there's like four first-person horror games coming out in the next two months that are like indie titles. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. I just, I guess I'm wondering, like, other than for the developer of that game, what you your problem with that is. No, I, I, I'm saying that everybody's eating each other's lunch in a way. And so, you know, you got to be careful and make sure that you're getting out enough ad space for the games. You got to make sure that you're probably on Steam where the Steam sales will give you a huge boost. It just it, it's getting very deafening right now. There, there's so much. And, and by that same on the other side of that major AAA releases, it's like there's nothing right now. There's nothing. So it is all like indie titles. Hey, you know, Starbound just got the latest update or, uh, you know, Our Darker Purpose just came out, which is kind of like the Binding of Isaac meets Diablo. So there's lots and lots of indie titles coming out, so much so that it can be hard to find the really good ones. And then meanwhile, the AAA development games were all kind of sitting around waiting for Thief at the end of February. You know, it, it's weird. I'm just I'm just saying it's weird. But I think that it, with the Banner Saga, I just would have preferred to not play Factions because I feel like I already played that game. You know what I mean? I, I sat down and played Factions for an hour or two. And I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. And that was, uh, that was yeah, a lot. I mean, I guess I can appreciate that, but that's like saying don't ever have a demo of a game. It's. Uh, I'm just saying that the long development cycle can be very damaging. It can well, be. Well, no, I, I agree with you, but I guess what's weird to me is like whether you play a game for an hour and then two years later it comes out, or whether you play that game for an hour and it comes out five minutes later, how does that impact the quality of the game? Like, It's not an impact of the quality of the game, but what I'm saying is that I would much rather have played the Banner Saga factions a couple of months before release rather than a year. Yeah, I mean, I... Because I... I think that would have gotten me hyped up for the game instead of the point where I completely forgot that the game even existed. You I mean, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I guess I just don't feel that way. I... No, no, and also these guys don't have huge marketing budgets either. So that's the other part of the coin. It's like they don't have the ability to go out and market, 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 you know, buy Super Bowl commercials, which that was another weird thing. Why did I not see any uh, – we're recording this the night, uh, the night of the Super Bowl. So, you know, good Lord, I really thought Peyton Manning was going to win, but here we are. Um, the most important thing about the Super Bowl is that the new Spider-Man trailer was <laughs> – Oh, Wonderful. God, that's, oh, that's right. You like the new Spider-Man movies because you're a moron. No, because they're good. No, because well, you like Twilight mixed with your freaking uh, with your amazing Spider-Man. Hmm. Peter Parker is. Please, can, please continue. No, telling I'm, me how, no, how I'm, fighting you, I'm fighting you on this one, dude. The new Peter Parker is just a cipher. He is a terrible. He, he's nothing like his old comic book persona. He's just a bro now. You've never read Ultimate Spider-Man, have you? I don't need to. I'm sorry that they... Yes, you do. Ultimate Spider-Man is awesome. They've broified Spider-Man. He's not bro at all. He's like the anti-bro. If anything, he's like hipster Spider-Man. Yeah, lovely. That's even better. I'm just... Whatever. If you... All right. You like Jamie Foxx and blue makeup, and they're showing scenes from the obvious five final minutes of the movie because they're trying to hype up the next film, which is kind of clever. They're doing, you know, their Avengers with the villains. Okay, great. Whatever. Stupid. Rocket Raccoon. Hey, I'm I'm excited for Guardians of the Galaxy because I don't even know what I'm getting with that movie. Bring it on. Rocket skate. Rocket skate. Rockets. Rocket. Rocket skate. I know nothing about Guardians of the Galaxy. I just know that Andy Dwyer is in it. Yep. Whatever. You you like the Amazing Spider-Man? That kind of that kind of. I liked the part of the movie that didn't involve him fighting the lizard. Ugh. Are we talking about Parks and Rec? 
No, <laughs> no, we're talking about Sony being forced to make a movie, or else they lose the rights to it. So they had. Hey, to obviously, ask... I wasn't the only one who thought that because you know it did well. Which... Yeah. Okay. Okay. By that, no, we've had this argument on the podcast before. Yeah, a lot of people go and see Transformers as well. Uh, I know it's horrible. Yeah. See. Yeah. Just because a movie makes a lot of money doesn't mean it's good. Avatar. Hey, Avatar oh, was no, no, it's not. I cannot. That's like, I will let everybody have their opinions about things, but Avatar, man. Well, isn't it funny how James Cameron has actually gotten worse at writing screenplays? Uh, <laughs> no, he's regressed. Seen. Like, uh, okay, Terminator, Aliens, like, and, and he's just gone backwards. Like, uh, like, what the hell are you doing now? Like, this is the guy who made The Abyss? Terminator 2. And Terminator 2, like, and he just, he writes Drek now. Like, the characters have, the military characters in that movie have no redeeming qualities. They're just awful human beings. Hmm. Yeah, but it's pretty. Hey, video games. Whatever. Did you know that video games are video games? I thought you were going to start, like, a whole did you know thing. I actually really like that one. Did you know? Did you know that Resident Evil 2... Yes, I know everything about Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Now, I want to play that damn prototype that they've been working on for like a year and a half to get the Resident Evil 1.5 working again. God. Did you know that Resident Evil 4 is getting a new HD version on PC? Like, a good version? You know, I'm I'm very, like... I, Sorry, that's off topic. Let's talk about Wild Arms. We'll talk no, about no, no, no. I want to talk about Resident Evil 4 because I absolutely adore that game. I just don't know if I need to play it again. Because I've played it like 20 times. Yeah. Well, me too. But it's like one of the best game, best action games ever made. So, I mean... It really is. You I've, should probably just play it again. Well, I think I'll just pick it up on Steam sale when it's like $3. Like, that's probably what's going to happen there. But there, there's kind of some interesting stuff going on there where like... Most of the HD textures look really good, but then a couple of them look really bad. So it's like, mm, snarf. Yeah, I saw I saw those comparison takes, and I was like, all right, some of those are terrible for some reason. Yeah, I don't really get it. it maybe it's like with Square Enix, and they just lost the assets to Kingdom Hearts, and they're like, eh, we had to rebuild this whole thing. Yeah. Oops. All right, let's talk about Wild Arms. Can you whistle for me, please, Derek? Uh, not like the whole thing right now. I'm not going to do it under pressure. Come on. <laughs> that's okay. actually pretty good yeah alright go me uh, so you didn't really introduce why we're talking about Wild Arms but um, I haven't really been playing much of anything other than uh, Final Fantasy 14 over the past month or so I, I, I don't know three weeks whatever um, but I decided to reach into the backlog a bit and I fired up Wild Arms 2 and I ended up playing it for several hours on the day that I fired it up and I, I I haven't put a ton of time into it. Maybe about eight hours uh, altogether, but that was way more than I expected. I was just kind of uh, what I was calling at the ni- at the time RPG cycling, where I was just putting in a bunch of games for like 15 minutes. Like I, I played Threads of Fate for 15 minutes and Chrono Cross for 15 minutes and Vagrant Story for 15 minutes and a bunch of other stuff, like Resonance of Fate and stuff. So I was just trying to decide on something to play. And I have, the, I have choice paralysis all the time where it's like, oh, I have so many options, what should I do? So I just I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take discs out and put them in the system and see what happens. So Wild Arms 2 was one that I settled on for a while. Um, I played it when it came out, but I didn't get very far at all. I think I might actually be farther or at least at the point where I got to when I originally played it, which is to say not very far because Wild Arms 2 is like stupidly long. Um, 
some of the, I don't know, I it does have, it's pretty slow in terms of pacing. Um, I've I've heard that the game goes on for a really long time, and like the translation is kind of so-so. It's it was back when translations were kind of iffy a lot of the time, so I'm not like blown away by the quality of the writing or anything. Uh, but it's it's been pretty fun. Um, the only issue I really have is the the speed of battles and. They're not, like, super slow, but by contemporary standards, I guess they are. Like, you know, there's just a little pre-battle loading warm-up, and then attack animations are pretty long, especially magic spells take a really long time. Um, so I found myself multitasking, <clears throat> excuse me, multitasking when I was playing it, which is something I don't normally do when I'm playing RPGs. Uh, well, I mean, unless I'm, like, specifically grinding, but, uh, yeah, I was definitely like, all right, well, uh, I'll just... Like, have a DS on the side and mash X while I'm in battles. But, yeah, it's been pretty fun. Um, uh, before I move on to my question, do either of you have any particular memories of Wild Arms 2 or Wild Arms in general? Nah, Steven, I, I think you said you said something about it earlier. I do, but I have a rush cake in my mouth. Hang on. Uh, okay. I, I will well, take over. Uh, I, did, um, I played Wild Arms 1. I remember renting a PlayStation from my local... I can't remember if it was a West Coast video. It must have been a West Coast video. Uh-huh. And I rented a PlayStation 1, and me and my buddy, we rented Wild Arms and Doom and Loaded. Okay, those are pretty similar. Yeah, that, it's kind of running the gamut there. And I remember, like, Wild Arms, I had seen the Final Fantasy VII demo, so I I put Wild Arms in. I was like, hey, this is a JRPG, and I just went... Like, I, I, it's so unfair, but, like, I had seen what Final Fantasy VII was, and I knew that that was coming, so that, like, you know, being a stupid little hipster kid, I was like, this looks awful! So then I just played Doom and loaded all night, and then me and my buddy had to try to figure out what the hell a memory card was, because the games kept asking us to save. <laughs> and we were like, what's a memory card? Is that something you find in the game? Like, yeah. we couldn't, we were like, what, what are we supposed to do? Well, wait a minute, they're asking for a memory card in Doom. They're asking for a memory card in Loaded. It's a new gameplay mechanic that every game has. I was like, Bill, I, I have a feeling that we're missing something here. Yeah. So yeah, that was my experience with Wild Arms. And uh, a very, very unfair for me to judge that game with the reason I was buying a PlayStation, which was Final Fantasy VII. You know, you're an awful tech-savvy guy. You plug in Final Fantasy VII wrong and hear music differently. You can't find a memory card. <laughs> You remembered are you, that. Are you sure? Are you sh- are you sure you installed your graphics card right? I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, no, I okay. I, I did. Who knew what a memory card was? I've been playing games on Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. You jerk. Like, I? So you knew what a memory card was, like right off the bat. Yeah, the store told me to buy one. Well, I didn't have that pleasure. Yeah, I well, definitely she told rented my dad a, to buy one. a PlayStation, and I was not able to uh, save either. Like, when I got FF7, that was the first time I played a PlayStation, was when uh, I rented Final Fantasy VII, and I got to the elevator in the Shinra headquarters. Same place. And, oh, my God. <laughs> Same exact and that, that damn boss killed me, and I was like, I have to start over! Well, my, I actually, like, called in my dad to make sure that we shut down the PlayStation correctly. I was like 12, guys, all right? I was like, let's make sure we shut down the PlayStation correctly. And he accidentally dislodged the memory card while he was shutting it off, and so just deleted everything. So I just had to replay the whole opening of Final Fantasy VII again. (laughs) And I did it, and I was very happy, actually. Yeah, exactly. I did. uh, What were you going to say about Wild Arms, Steven? 
Um, I actually very vividly remember getting Wild Arms too, because for some random reason, my mother that day was like, hey, we're at Walmart. You want to buy something? And I was like, yes, I would like to purchase this sequel to a game that I liked a lot. And then uh, all I remember is that, as like, I don't know how long it actually was, but it felt like like six or seven weeks that like every weekend I would get a giant container of Kool-Aid, of red Kool-Aid, put it in a glass, and play Wild Arms all day, Wild Arms 2. And I loved that game. And then I got to, like, you know, I was, like, 90 or 100 hours into it. So I was, like, halfway through. And uh, I just, like, stopped playing it completely. Didn't touch it. And then in college, one day, I was like, you know what? Why did I never beat Wild Arms 2? So I finally plugged in the memory card. This is, like, four or five years ago. And was like, all right, I'm finishing this now. And I beat it. And I was like, all right, I beat that. That ending was underwhelming. But, uh, yeah, I love that game. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's aged well in any way. Um, it's, it it's, pretty, really. it's, it's pretty uggo. The music is awesome. Um, and the story is interesting, but it's, again, the case of it just goes on way, 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 way too long. Uh, but it's interesting because, like, I think the first two games in that series are actually some of the least interesting in terms of what they do. Uh, like, the puzzle solving is always great. Um, but I think, like, three, four, and five just have a lot more interesting stuff going on for them in terms of the game being, like, interesting or unique. Um, but yet I still remember those ones pretty fondly. Yeah, two has a weird skill system. I don't know if one had the same thing where you... They never really explain how it works. They're like, you can just go buy skills with these points, and then you can never unbuy them. And then they do things like at critical HP, you'll get, like, a shield up or something. But um, yeah, yeah, one I, just had... Everyone had a set set of skills that you got different ways like one character had arms one character learned sword moves and one character had crest magic yeah well like they have those but there's also like passive skills that you can buy and assign to your people mm. um, which i didn't remember when i originally played it um that really reminds me of like when i played xenosaga one i did not know there was any kind of character progression system uh, <laughs> because i was stupid for some reason and like when i got to the boss in the church i just could not win like i fought it for weeks and i could not beat it because apparently I must have been in like I had to have been in high school or like eighth grade or something at the time. So how stupid was I to not think like clearly, clearly I'm missing something here. But anyway, um, what I was going to say about Wild Arms 2 is that, well, I agree that it hasn't aged really well. And I'm probably done um, playing it for now. Um, I've got an, a new game to play that I'm really enjoying. But and you can't Wild talk. Arms, you can't talk about that game, I, can you? I cannot talk about that game. <laughs> you're, you're not allowed to talk about that game. But that game, I hear, is pretty fun, but really weird. I'm yep. sorry. I need to derail us for three seconds, Derek. I just noticed that Silent Hill for the room picture you reblogged, <laughs> and I laughed incredibly hard at it because that Tommy Wiseau is just perfect. Is but that sorry. what is it? A giant picture of a face? It's, yes. Yeah, it's just like a mixture. It's like the room, the Silent Hill Four box art with Tommy Wiseau's face all transparent. <laughs> <And it says laughs> you're, tearing, you're tearing him apart, Lisa. Anyway, good, good way to deal rail and keep uh, Derek from getting in trouble as John listens to this. Like, no, don't talk about it. You're not allowed John's, to talk about it yet. John's I just watched the room last night. Yeah, John's not gonna listen. John was on this show once. Do you guys remember that? Uh, he's the EIC now. He's Who? too good for Him? us plebeians. Him? Him? Uh, anyway, so one one uh, element of Wild Arms 2 that did age well is the intro. Mm -hmm. Because I think Wild Arms 2 has one of the greatest game intros of all time. Um, every time I boot that up, or just look at it on YouTube, whatever, 
I, I, I get goosebumps. Like, I think it is perfect. And the fact that there's a second one that's even better yeah, is amazing. Have you seen the second one? Yeah. yeah. Okay, because yeah, the, tra- the song of that's Resistance Line, and it's... Yeah, like, it's, I always love the intro in that, because while I was one, everyone knows it for having that awesome intro. Two has an awesome... Has two of them. Yeah, one also has an amazing intro, actually. Um, but in two, like, something about those just initial few moments... Um, the first few measures, I guess you'd say, of that trumpet, and then like it pans out to see uh, what's his name, like uh, something Blazer, Night Blazer, Night Blazer. Uh, yeah, it, it pans out to see you see Night Blazer on the cliff, and his cape is billowing in the wind, and there's this like really kind of melancholy trumpet. It, oh my god, it's so good. So I I just let it loop a couple times. I. I love that song. I love the visuals accompanied by it as well. It, but it's uh, one of my absolute favorite uh, game intros of all time. Um, so I was going to ask you guys, like, are there any particular... I'm going to limit it to RPGs just because... Damn it! RPG podcast. Are there any RPG intros that stick out to you as being especially amazing? Like, regardless of the game and how well it has aged, things that you find yourself, like, thinking about or you watched it on... you Like, you happened across that on YouTube and you were like, holy crap, that was good. Hey, Rob, can you just answer for me, please? <laughs> well, I have two that jump out at me really quick. and uh, Answer the one you know I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's definitely the Chrono Cross opening. Yeah. Um, that came with Vagrant Story. My buddy Brian picked up Vagrant Story. We played it. And I think I drove him insane because I just kept replaying the opening cinematic for Chrono Cross over and over again. So good, though. I was just so... Like, the music just blew me away. Like, it just was so full of energy. You hadn't heard anything like it before. The... Just... Oh, my God. Like, the and the only reference that you really had to Chrono Trigger was the burning picture of Luca, and that was enough. That was enough. You were like, I'm in. I am in. I don't care what anybody says. That game is freaking amazing. I yeah, it is. I really cannot stand the backlash on that game that's gone on in the past couple of years where, you know, all the hipsters are sitting there drinking their coffee like, well, you know. When I was a kid, I liked it, but I realize now. That it's not really that of- good of a game. Yeah, I'm sorry. When you got to, like, Chronopolis, your jaw hit the floor. Like, Actually, we mentioned that exact moment in the last music podcast because we played the Chronopolis theme. Yeah, like, I don't want to hear any crap about that game. That game's got some issues, but it is freaking awesome. So that was my first one. What I Before you go on to that, too, another thing that I really love about the intro in Chrono Cross is that book. Because the game never introduces why there's this book in the intro. Like, oh, it's an RPG. You're telling me a story from the book. And, like, you never really get an idea of whose words those are. But then when you beat the game and the book closes, you're like, oh, Shala was writing to you. So you realize that actually was a giant Chrono Trigger reference because the Chrono Trigger character is one talking to you. Well, yeah, and you also have, you know, Shala walking around the streets of Japan, which made no freaking sense, but I still loved it. I, I All right, so the ending got a little weird, a little Neon Genesis for my taste, but whatever, it was awesome. And then the other one, I still get chills whenever I see it because of how well shot it is and about how intense it is. And I don't think the game ever matches that level of intensity, but the opening cinematic for Diablo 2. Oh, man, was, that is... Was just like... All of the cinematics in Diablo 2 were like, amazing. Holy crap, here we go. And I, I really wish that they had maintained that dark 
feel. I think Diablo 1 really matched it. The opening cinematic for Diablo 1 is really good, too. Like, that scream at the end where you finally see Diablo is like, ah! um, I don't think Diablo 2 quite hit that same dark tone, but that opening cinematic was just like, whoa. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I love that cinematic. I love all the cinematics in Diablo 2. They're wonderful and significantly more impactful than those in Diablo 3, even though the Diablo 3 ones are prettier. You just are going to hate on Diablo 3 all the day. You're like a spurned lover over here. Yeah, well, you know what? It's still a great game. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying it's... He's there are a lot of seen. missteps. Uh, I made the analogy earlier in the day. The, the problem is it, it's Elysium and District 9. Elysium is a great film. Very awesome. The problem is District 9 exists. So it breaks Elysium. Because the whole time you're sitting there going, this is really good. It's not quite as good as District 9. And that, and I think Diablo 3 has got the same problem. Well, I, I, I always use the uh, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises comparison. Dark Knight Rises is a pretty good movie. But... <laughs> the problem can't... is we had Transcendent. <laughs> yeah. But on the intro thing, I feel bad because I, I just wrote down a list of like ten different games, but <laughs> Oh wow. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be super mainstream. Final Fantasy seven, eight, and nine all have awesome intros. Like seven's yeah. intro when I first saw it, like like it's it's freaking fantastic. I, it's I, like all spacey and it's you know, then you cut like have all this like nature looking crap and then all of a sudden it's like zooms down on the train and you're like, Oh my god, this is so cool. Yeah, and train. Cloud gets off the train, you're like, dear lord, it's a Lego game! But it, yeah, it's awesome. And then Final Fantasy VIII, I don't remember the specific, the actual start the game intro, but like if you leave it on the title screen, it starts playing that bump, 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 and it just oh, shows yeah. you the black and white images of all the characters, but their heads are cut off. It's just like, well, and like you know. The CG intro is amazing too, but yeah. Yeah, like those are really cool. And then, you know, Nine has, Nine brought me back to Final Fantasy after being kind of disappointed by Eight. So like, you know, I, 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 that whole intro, not just the cinematics, I'm, I'm, being, I'm kind of breaking here, but that whole first, like, hour of Final Fantasy IX, where it's just, like, everybody in a different place, with all yeah. these cutscenes interspersed, getting them together, and you're like, oh, this is awesome, it's an adventure. And then ten was awesome, because when I first saw it, it's like, oh my god, rock and roll, blitzball! See, I, I went with a completely different idea for Final Fantasy VII. Like, I love the intro for FF7, don't get me wrong. But I would even go back a step and say... I had never seen a title screen like that before. Oh, where, yeah, where it's like, that's a cinematic title screen. It's No, it's just the freaking sword. That's it. New game, continue. Go. And you're just like, okay, I'm in. You're like, like, all right, sure. I don't know what it was, but that, that was the first time I'd seen anything like that. Where, I, like, every other game that I'd always played, it was like, okay, there's your title screen. And maybe it's doing something cool, like, you know, the original Castlevania with the castle or whatever. But this was like, that was almost a statement. Yeah, they were like, here you go. They're, they're At, like, we know, we know. Actually, on that note, Xenoblade has an amazing title screen, too, with oh, the sword yeah. just sticking in the field. Uh, That's I, I want, one of I my favorite it. title screens ever, yeah. It's just wonderful. And if you leave it on there, the sun just changes. I'm like, that's so, like, it so fits that game. It really uh, does. I, I wanted to mention a few other ones, too. Sorry, I, I like this topic. <laughs> Final, uh, again, mainstream. Final Fantasy XII's intro like, you turn oh my the game God. on, and the first yeah. thing you hear is the Final Fantasy prelude and freaking airships flying around. I'm like, all right. I'm yeah, just... that crawl is amazing. Like, so, what, what would you call that? Is it, um Title crawl, I guess? Yeah, I guess it is a title crawl. Yeah, but that, like, the like, fact that... that they have the CG oh. behind the title screen is yeah. awesome. And then you start it, and you have, like, this Star Wars-y intro. And, you know, 
We know the game is disappointing, but it's still like parts of it are no, awesome. It that just shows how transcendent that game can be in parts. It's just awesome. I think I was just tired of it because I'd seen it like ten times. Like they, that was one of the first things that they showed for the game, and like, I hadn't seen anything. <laughs> I I just watched that over and over again, so like I knew it was coming. But uh, no, it is very impactful. It feels very Star Warsy. It feels they, they're setting the mood of the world, which I really. Uh, what about up uh, up? Uh, if we're gonna bring, I've up only got. I've only got two more, and one of them is, I think, what you're about to say. So go yeah, ahead. Yeah, me same. I think it's the same thing I'm going to say. If go. you're going to say Final Fantasy XII, tac- then you're probably going to say Final Fantasy Tactics. Tactics, <laughs> exactly. That song and the chocobos running. Yep. Yep. That's not what I was going to say, but that's oh, also man. really, really good. Like, that intro is like, because you don't know what's going on. You're like, who are these people, and who's that guy, and how does Ramza know him, and why is he stealing the princess? He punched her. What a jerk. What's going on? Why are they speaking English? And what you don't know is that in you're about to have like some of the best hours of ever. Wonderful. <laughs> and then, but Blame real quick, the last one, uh, the original Shadow Hearts. The intro is literally Yuri on a train and he punches some guy's head off and it that, explodes. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> and I, like I saw that, I'm like, what the hell is this tour with this game? That like was that pretty that, that sets the exact mood for that series. Like, and it's just like, all right, I'm in. All right, yeah, I'm in. He just, put, he just attached. He reattached his arm. All right, this sounds cool. I'm, I'm, I'm game. Carry on. All right, there. so I've got, I've got three now to, to, to wrap this topic up. I've got three that I thought of. Good, good. One was Realm Reborn. Yes, but you can't keep adding them. I'm sorry. Um. All right. You so asked. the the opening to uh, Lunar Silver Star Story Complete with the theme yeah. song Wings is like super cheesy. Damn it! Now I have four <laughs> in my head. <laughs> is super cheesy, but it was one of the. I remember it was one of the first music CDs I ever got because I got the the game when it came in the super huge working designs box with the music CD. That made you and I remember like something awesome. Actually, I I think it was on there. I know they had Fighting Through the Darkness on there. They must have had Wings on there. But anyway, I remember like I have this memory of going to um, Applebee's with my parents for their anniversary, and I had my little CD player, and I was like. I'll listen to my music so you guys can enjoy your anniversary. And really, I just wanted to listen to the damn music. But I tried to be like, I'm such a selfless son. No, but I totally like I sang that song to myself all the time because, uh, yeah, that's horrendously cheesy. Anyway, so that that reminded me of um, the intro to Wild Arms 4, which is also really cheesy. Oh, but uh, it's amazingly cool. Yeah, the the English lyrics and vocals are, are very, very saccharine. But... I, I enjoyed that as well. And then two more. Um, the title call for Nocturne is really, really good. I love the... Um, there was something about the way that the... Because it shows it shows a bunch of battle footage, and they actually show a lot of bosses that kind of surprised me, like kind of spoilery almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, but something about the, the music fused really well with like the... You know the uh, main character, the Demi Fiend's attack animation is like this sliding punch, and he just goes like... Psh! And uh, yeah. th- there's a bunch of shots of him like doing the sliding punch, and it's that, and like him running around the map. It's uh, I don't something about that mesh really well. Um, and then finally, a really recent example is uh, Tales of Zillia. I think has a really really good intro because I, I like Ayumi Hamasaki anyway, and she hasn't really done a lot of her recent music has been really uh, hip hoppy, like R and B ish, which is fine, but. It was good to hear an Ayumi Hamasaki song in a very, like, kind of, not really trancey, but very catchy pop song. And Thousand Arms. Thousand Arms had Depend on Me by Ayumi Hamasaki. Oh, man. 
And nice. I had that, that media CD where they were like, you bought the game and they were like, send in this voucher plus $3 for shipping and handling. And you get this wild, or not wild arms, Thousand Arms media CD that has wallpapers for your Windows 95 PC. Garugamesh. Garugamesh. Actually, I love I, now, now I want to add one more. It's really quick. Uh, <laughs> Fantasy, Fantasy Star 4 when you first turn it on. Because it like punches you in the mouth and then it's like, here's the story, go. All right, and it's talk. like so well tied. No, 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 so I, I, no, no, no! I got two more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Persona Four, the original intro, because oh, I that think that really song, cool. I think that song's better than Golden's. I, I like Golden's, but I, I think that the original song is so so awesome, and it's yeah. really freaking catchy. And yep. the, uh, you can't say anything more about that game than its battle music is so good it won't piss you off after you've been playing it for ninety hours. Yeah. It's super it's, it's like they designed the battle music to be awesome. Um, that, that's their goal, I think. I think so. And then the last one, uh, I have to mention it. It's not an RPG. I'm cheating, I know. But if you don't bring up the Super Metroid intro, you're a fool. The last Metroid is in Captain. No, no, I, no not even that. Just the like Metro. Just uh, Nintendo presents 1994 Metroid Three. Yeah. And you're just like. Like, oh, shit, I got goosebumps now. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, that was so good. And you have to put a quarter in the swear jar because you just said a bad word. That's fine. I'll put a quarter in the swear jar. That's would, not that I'd bad, I'd be spraying though. way more if I could on this show. You realize that, right? <laughs> I'm going to let that one slide. Well, it was with regards to Super Metroid, which is the best Metroid That's game. That's acceptable. Yep. It's yep. a pretty wonderful game. I know you disagree with me, Stephen, because you. Uh, well, no, I don't. I disagree just because I I prefer Zero Mission, but I understand why most people think Super is the best. See, I need to play Zero Mission, and I have no. Oh, it's great. Pl- I have no easy way of playing it. I don't I think. I don't think it will change your mind, because um, a nostalgia and b it's still like the same formula. It's just, I think Zero Mission really polished it to a wonderful sheen. I gotta say, for as stupid as the story is in Final Fantasy X. The intro is pretty awesome, right? Like, because, like, think back, like, when I first played that, I remember I had, I got, somehow my friend and I had acquired the demo disc. He had no PS2 and I did. So he's like, you come over here with your PlayStation, I got the demo disc. I'm like, done. You get over there and the first thing you see is that insane thing of, Z- of Zidane, Titus, jumping into the Blitzball thing, other world playing, and it's just, you're like, this is Final Fantasy? What? Don't. You. That game is really dumb in a lot of ways, but I, I kind of love it with how dumb it is. I can't wait to play it again, actually. You, I'm not you don't lie. have to disparage it. Just no, no, no. Like... Its combat system is freaking awesome. I, still, I, I think that might be my favorite Final Fantasy combat system, even though I thought it was going to be terrible. I was like, really? I'm going to switch out characters? I don't want to do that. And it turned out to just be amazing. It's pretty yeah, wonderful. It worked well. It really did, and you know, let's let's hope Bravely Default makes everybody realize, hey, JRPGs are awesome. Well, if so. all the awesome JRPGs we had last year didn't, I don't think this one is either. That's a shame. Well, uh, God, I'm trying to think about other intros because I I love video game intros and I love the way they they get you like riled up to play the game. everybody remembers the first time they saw resident evil 2 which looks so crappy by today's standards but you were like it looks real 
It you look so at it, good. You look then at the, it now and you're like, oh. I used to, every time I'd play that scenario, that game again in the first scenario, I would always be like, don't get in the car, there's a zombie in the back of the cop car, you're going to crash. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Is it all nostalgia for us? or is Part it, of it, but. Yeah, I sometimes wonder if something has been lost. You know, like, I don't have those. Well, those well it's like what feelings. I'm saying, though. Yeah, I, I don't have them as often either, and, and it makes me sad. But like what I was saying about Water Arms too, like I played the game and I recognize the game has not aged well, but that intro still hits me in the same way that it used to. And I don't know if that's because it's nostalgia. I mean, it has to be partially nostalgia, but I think just something about the audio-visual combination is perfect for me. Yeah. Um, I, and I think, that, so yeah, I don't know. I'm glad somebody brought... I don't think it's us. Or rather, I don't think it's that the games are any different. I think it's that we're just older. And when you're younger, you're less experienced. So you don't have, like... Now we can be like, oh, this is a cool anime intro. There's a thousand other games with anime intros. Right. Back in the day, how many anime intros with totally crazy saxophone or trumpet music were there? There was, like, Wild Arms Well, Well, bear with me here for a sec, because I'm going to make a bit of a stretch. But I think a lot of the reason... A lot of the reason why we're maybe not having these moments, because I'll bring up one that happened very recently. I think... The reason why we're not having these moments is because not a whole lot of thought is going into them anymore because it's so much easier to create intro movies or it's so much easier to create, you know, fancy title screens. It's like the argument for uh, computer effects. With computer effects, you have George Lucas going in and building the scene after the actors have already been shot. A proper director has to really sit down and think about what's going on in the shot and how they're going to be able to make everything work later in post-production but if you do everything later you don't have to think about it as much it's like if the tools are readily available to you you don't have to think enough about mise-en-scene you don't have to think enough about how to to actually make something appealing and then i think back to like xenoblades Uh, i'm glad you guys brought it up but like the opening to xenoblade just the field with the sword in it that shows restraint. Like, they could have just done a big anime movie with, like, here's a bunch of clips of different crap that happened in the game, and you're going to have no context for what's going on. But instead, they did something that almost makes a statement about the game, in a way. And I, I think that it, it's it's like good direction is good direction. And just having, you know, random scenes of what happens later in the game, or having something that has no context doesn't set the scene like the opening to persona 4 it's fun it's catchy it feels like a 70s cartoon brought to life like on the great space coaster like you just feel like this is gonna be like cool this is gonna be like kind of kind of trippy in a way it sets the mood of the game and a lot of what we get today is just like the sizzle reel and the sizzle reel doesn't do anything for me anymore it yeah. really doesn't. I actually think Dishonored's uh, title screen is really good. It sort of sets the mood for what's going on. But oh, like, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, like, but really good shot comp- composition is eternal. And what you need to have is you need to have restraint, and you need to have a real understanding of your craft and what you're trying to make. And I think that that has been lost a little bit. I mean... Some dudes in Japan had to work really hard to get that opening of Super Metroid to work properly and zoom it in and use the Mode 7 graphics. They had to sit down and really plan that out. Yeah. And by having to plan it out, it makes you appreciate it and it makes more time and effort go into it. 
Yeah, I, agree. I could see that. Yeah, that's that's why uh, back in back when we played games and um, you would get to a pivotal story moment and you would get rewarded in a sense with an anime cutscene. Like those were always amazing. Like whenever they happened, you'd be like, "Holy crap!" Because you were you were used to, used to lower fidelity models, so to see action happening on a much more detailed scale was incredible. And like a lot of anime today is very like like it's you know it's computer generated or, or made on computers so i think that a lot of anime has a really lifeless kind of quality to it like a lot of animation styles i guess i would say um so when it was i know computers were used obviously but i just feel like things like wild arms have a very hand-drawn and like yeah like a very uh it feels very genuine i guess like a, the, the quality it, it feels like it's coming straight from the creator's hearts rather than just being like well it was easy to animate this on the computer and it shows you something i don't know it's, it's lost a little bit of something i think i think nostalgia is still nostalgia. there nostalgia it, it, it is still there and well, like i would compare it like <clears throat> uh, sorry to do this to you derek but i would compare it to the intros for uh the intro to final c 13 to 13 2 and lightning returns 13's intro is pretty cool like you get, you get that cool pan shot, and then it zooms down on the train, and it's, you know, echoing back to Final Fantasy VII. Like, I thought that was neat. But then, like, 13-2's intro is just kind of, like, insanity. And then Lightning Returns intro is literally a sizzle reel, and then some scenes with, I think, it, the snow scene. I don't remember, but, like... It's not a sizzle reel. It's, like, it's... Lightning Returns intro is, like, the intro cinematic to the game. Mm. It's just, uh... Like, when you start the game, you actually get the dialogue, but if you just let the title screen loop... Like, this is in the demo. If you just let the title screen loop, it's just that, but with music in the background. At the risk of getting Derek in trouble, so let's get away from it real quick. Steven, I'm surprised that you didn't bring up the uh, Kingdom Hearts intro. Oh, I love that intro. I, well, I was, I was... I already had, like, 12, so I couldn't keep going. Um, actually, you know what? The Kingdom Hearts intro was good, but I would say that I actually think Kingdom Hearts 2 has the best intro in the series. Because it recaps... Like, very briefly, you get the recap of Kingdom Hearts 1 and Chain of Memories. And to that point, there were so few games that, like, were sequels that would, like, expressly recap the earlier game in a cinematic form like that. And the song was awesome. It was Sanctuary in English. And, like, it was just really cool because it was timed so well with the music. And it kind of, like, it lets you know that you were getting into this more complex, you know, before the series became total nuts, insanity. Like, that was still when it was, like, you know, there was the three games. And it's, like, you know... You're getting into Kingdom Hearts, but everything's a little more complicated now. See, guys, I'm very nice. I let Steven say something nice about Kingdom Hearts. I would say a lot of things. I nice am about a it. benevolent dictator. What are you going to do when three comes out and I, and I just destroy you? I think we no, I, Stephen. This is what you're going to say. You're going to say three plays awesome, and then you're going to keep talking about how the story is nonsense. There's no way they can wrap this up. We're, we're talking. We're talking end of Evangelion levels of insanity. I fully. No, expect, they can wrap it up quite easily. Actually. I fully expect there to be a Sora masturbation scene in the middle of the game, going, "What oh. the hell's going on right now?" Well, he's I have don't to ex- find Kyrie in a hospital bed. Oh God! Oh, no. Hopefully not. Oh no. You know what? The thing is, the plot is not that complicated. It's just that it's been convoluted by terrible writers. Like, there's one bad guy. His his goal is very clear. It's everything in between that has made it so absurd. So if they just decide to just roll with it and make a story that doesn't delve into all the nonsense, it could at least be interesting. Um, 
But I'm kind of past playing that series for the story. I'm playing it to see Donald Duck and Goofy and go to Disney World. It has the reverse effect of Diablo 3, where by Diablo 3 being so base and so banal, it, it, you have no interest in it. And meanwhile, Kingdom Hearts, you want to have interest in it, but it's so labyrinthine in its creation that you can't. So it's it's like, if we could get these two guys to sit down and be like, can we find a middle ground here to where you enjoy the story, but it doesn't, but it still treats you like an adult? Yeah. I fully expected to beat Diablo 3 and suddenly just be told that Belial was screwing with me the entire time. I still wish that that's the case. Like, I hope in Reaper Souls are like, hey, remember how everything was dumb? Yeah, we because fixed it that. Was be- because Belial. Remember how, remember how we killed an important character for no reason? Well, Blizzard kind of is James Cameron. I just realized that. Like, they came out and made these amazing stories back in the day, and they've kind of... And kinda... then they got bought. Well, I, okay, I, I'm just so tired of the standard Blizzard tropes of corrupted hero. Like, seriously, in all three of your main franchises, you have corrupted heroes. That's how they do. Like, Really? It, it was cool when you guys found it with Diablo. Then it got a little like, really, you guys are doing this again with StarCraft? And then it got, really, you guys are doing this again with WarCraft 3? Like, really? I never cared about the story that much in any of those games, so. Oh, I really liked the story in the original StarCraft. I really liked it. I only played like four levels of the campaign. I got bored. Eh, that's fair, because you're kind of doing the same thing over and over again. We have really just been kibitzing tonight, so maybe we should move into news. Yeah, let's move into news. Well, we're just so disappointed from the lackluster Super Bowl and, like... I actually yeah. didn't watch it. I'm not disappointed. The from commercials it. weren't that good either. They I'm, I'm, up, I, I'm sorry that it was so boring for all the people who were enthusiastic about it. Eh, it, it was alright. I mean, if you were a Seahawks fan, it was awesome. <laughs> I don't actually think that's the case. I think that they were bored, too, because it's uh, no, not really a good game. No, Steven, Steve, you admitted that you're not a big football guy. Trust me. If I could enjoy one Super Bowl where the Steelers just go out and have, like, 40 points at halftime, I'd be really happy. Because I didn't, I barely made it through the three Super Bowls that have happened in the past 10 years. I barely made it through all three of them. I think that's yeah. taken a toll on me. I could see that. Yeah, I'd rather just have them win. Okay, Derek, News. Well, recently we ran a most anticipated games of 2014 feature that a lot of us contributed to, and it was a, a lot of fun to put together, and we rolled it out over the course of a week. And uh, so, I mean, it's not really news, I guess, but if you haven't seen that, definitely take a look at it. Um, at this point, it is in our little sidebar on the main page, or you can just go to the features tab on the top and look at it. Uh, we pointed out 25 games in total um, that we're looking forward to, so it covers a really wide range of tastes. And uh, we also had a cool little Reader's Choice poll for the first time, and the readers chose Witcher 3 as their most anticipated game for the year, which kind of surprised us. Smart yeah. readers. Smart readers. Yeah, good job. We have good readers. Uh, but yeah, so we, we just rolled out that feature, and if you haven't checked it out, uh, definitely take a look at it. I think maybe like one game on the list has come out since we published it, but uh, it's... It's it's also a really good refresher if you want to start budgeting for the rest of the year because there are a ridiculous amount of games coming out. Obviously, there's at least 25 based on our list, so take a look at that. Well, speaking of Witcher 3, uh, two things made me really excited that we've heard in the past couple weeks. The first being they, they have confirmed it is coming out uh, this year, and I believe them. I'd, 
I'm a little worried. I think that they're going to end up releasing it uh, late in the year, looking at like a November release. And I think that I, I really wish that they would get it out in the summer when that game can have a little bit of room. I don't think it's going to... This isn't Witcher 2 levels of, like, people know it, and I think it'll do well, but I kind of want that game to have a little bit of room. I don't want it to get lost in, you know, Call of Duty, Battlefield craziness that'll be going down in, like, October, November. You know what I mean? And then the other really good thing that I heard is they kind of pulled back a little bit on the open world stuff, and they said, yeah, it's kind of an open world similar to the Arkham Asylum games or Dark Souls, and that honestly made me feel better. That's actually kind of awesome. No, because that means that it's handcrafted, and that's what... It, yeah, Skyrim. that's good. Skyrim is awesome until you've played it for, like, 20 hours and you realize that you're going to the same damn dungeons over and over again. Like, it's really freaking awesome, and then you realize that it's all procedural. If they've really handcrafted this in each and every area to the level of Batman or Dark Souls, you got something really special. And I think that that's what those guys hit on. That is the best piece of news I've heard about that game. That was the only thing I was worried about was like when they were talking about landmass, I don't want to hear that stuff anymore. I really don't because nobody has the money of Rockstar except Rockstar. That's one thing Grand Theft Auto V does amazing. Every area in Grand Theft Auto V looks different. The problem is that there's nothing cool to do in those environments. So you, you, you could have all this money, but you're not able to create a really good environment. Or you could not have that money and just make a whole lot of nothing. You know, just cause two syndrome, where every, you know, you're, you're just going into another random facility. So, you know, that, that made me feel really good about Witcher 3. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think that's good. I'd rather have it be more structured than just open nothing. What do you when do you guys think it's coming out? Uh, definitely uh, latter half of the year. Um, yeah, I, mean, I would I say it'll probably have one more showing at E3. I'd really prefer if it was like August. I think August would be a really good time for that game, but I just, I, I just don't want it coming out in October, November. I just don't want a game of that caliber being kind of missed. And I don't think it will be. I, if it was Witcher 2, I would be worried. But, you know, enough people played Witcher 2, and it's releasing on the consoles. I think that they'll they'll be in good shape. I just want that game to be, like, on its own. Understandable. It deserves it, from what I can tell. It does indeed. So moving forward, uh, this is kind of a sad piece of news. Uh, Rune Factory 4's European release was canceled. Um, it was being... Local, it was in the process of being localized, and then uh, Marvelous AQL said, sorry, we can't actually do it. Um, they said that, well, they've made every effort to support to uh, secure the title's release for the territory. It's unfortunately not possible to do so for this time, and yada, yada, yada. I look forward to future announcements. So we don't actually know necessarily why they canceled it. Um, it's possible that it was related to the closure of Neverland Company, which was uh, the developer of Rune Factory. Um, kind of a bummer because I played and reviewed that for the site and I thought it was the best Rune Factory game by a long shot. So, sorry, European listeners, that sucks. And I wish region locking wasn't a thing because otherwise you could just import it, but uh, region locking sucks. It's the worst thing ever. Ever! Of all the things that ever existed, region locking is the worst. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, we're, we're past region locking. It, yeah, it's... We're past it's it. It's horrible. I don't know why it exists. Like, uh, there have been so many games I've wanted to import but haven't been able to. Yeah. 
it like bravely default. <laughs> yep, that's one of them for real. Xenoblade when it first came out. Oh my oh, god! I imported that anyway. I imported the PAL Are version. Are they still charging three a uh, hundred bucks for that on EB Games? Probably. I think it's like eighty. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm still boycotting them because of that crap. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But um, another game. Uh, so speaking of games being region encoded, one game that I thought was never ever going to come out here is Monster Mon Piece. Um, I don't even know, like, why or how they're releasing it here. Monster Mon Piece is a Vita card game. It's basically like a like digital CCG, but it has this mechanic where you rub anime girls and make them skimpy. That was the wrong part for me to zone out on for a second and come back on. That. Yeah, you see, you weren't expecting it. No, that you you rub. I, I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure you rub the clothes off of anime girls, and that's how you power up your cards. Um, They're actually censoring a fair number of the cards, which I think is pretty reprehensible, because it's like, if you're going to release this game, you know full well what kind of a game it is. Like, why would you... What they're doing, basically, is they're, they're... Some of the higher level cards have the girls in even less clothing, and they... Um, are replacing the images with ones where they're more closed, so they have the same effect, but the visuals are different. Um, the issue here really is that, like, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm against censorship. I think it's foolish, and I think that they should probably market it appropriately at the correct audience. Like, I'm not interested in seeing lowly girls naked, but like, I don't know. I, I, it, I, it, I, that's I, where it kind of gets into weird territory because, like, when it gets into the with a lot of anime the whole lowly subculture and like the girls looking really really young and underage it's like yeah it's it's animated but mm, well now can i i i I appreciate being against censorship but unfortunately this isn't we don't exist in a world where artistic expression is just totally rampant it's it's a commercial product that has to be rated by the esrb and if it gets an AO rating, it's not going to be able to be sold in any stores, and nobody's going to be able to buy it, and it's going to be a total financial bust. Well, I think I think we're also seeing, you know, th- there's a couple of points that I wanted to make here. One was, you know, I kind of wanted to challenge Derek here a little bit and say, well, what about like the censorship of Bravely Default, Bravely Default. In, in America? Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't I, have a problem with it, but I'm just like thoughts. I don't on that? think they should. I don't think they should have done it, like at all. I, but I also think that it's because some people are really up in arms about it, and I. It's tough. It's a tough issue to discuss because I feel like, um, because I'm not, I'm not personally like interested in seeing that content. Um, it, it's hard for me to have a completely objective opinion on it because it's like I just think it's, I, I just think it's dumb. Like, yeah, they shouldn't have censored it, but they're just swimsuits. Like, yeah, and really again, cares? it's a, it's a matter of the rating for the game. Like, that's how I look at it every time. It's like I'm so up in arms about this. I'm like. Do you want this game to succeed? Because if it gets an uh, if it gets a rating, because we have a rating system, whether you agree with it or not, if it well, gets a rating of T or whatever the, whatever above it, then the market is limited, and that means it's going to sell less. Well, that I, I go, go ahead, Derek. Go ahead. I just it's it's a it's a really difficult subject because I feel like it's it's hard to take a strong stance one way or the other um, because I, I don't want them to be cutting out or removing any content like that's. I feel I feel like that's damaging the artistic integrity of of the the product, but at the same time it's like uh, I don't, I don't you know. Really like, just want to say who cares? Well, yeah, I do want to say who cares, but but my thing is like I don't want to be a hypocrite because I'm sure there's a situation where 
something like that might happen where other people may consider it to be like a minor thing, but I could personally be bothered. Like, hey, I really wanted that content in the game. But for me, it's just kind of like, because it is specifically in this instance, like these two instances, like Monster Mon Piece and Bravely Default, they're basically like underage girls with mm-hmm. skimpy clothing. And I think that's kind of skeezy. Like, I, I don't think it's... I'm not really one... I, I shouldn't be judging because that's I'm not the target audience for that at all. Um, I just think that, like, to be super up in arms about it is kind of silly because it's like there is so much other content like that that you can access and freaking and, out about this particular thing and being like... Because like, there are people that are like, boycott Bravely Default because Nintendo censored it. Boycott yeah, that's, that's it. That's and it's like, yeah, I'm not going to not play, like, the best-looking Final fantasy S game in years because of a swimsuit. Yeah, and you know what really gets me is they go, we're going to boycott artistic integrity, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, I lost my point. Well, okay, I'll give you a second to get your point back. Um, I think what I'm noticing is like the completely arbitrary nature of the ESRB right now. And the two that come to mind is, you know, we're talking about censorship in this game. But what was Dragon's Crowns? What what was that game's rating? It was an M, I think, wasn't it? Was, was it, it M? I'm pretty sure I... it was T. You own it. I don't own it. I don't know. Well, let me. Let me. All right. So before I say something really stupid here. Oh, I got my point. So while you look that up, yeah. So people, I, I have experienced, especially one person in particular, using the slippery slope argument, which slope argument, which I hate that argument. I hate that. Never valid. They're so like much. first they first they censor this, then the next thing you know, everybody's fully clothed all the time everywhere, and, and I'm like, Nazis yeah. took over. It's like thank I'm you, like, Glenn Beck. Thank you. Like yeah, really. exa- exactly. If we let gay people get married, what's next? Broomsticks. Um, forgive, me for getting political. forgive me for getting political but that, that's the thing is that slippery slope argument is slope argument is just it's a fallacy it's just it's crap garbage argument and that's that's kind of why i actually get a little heated about this bravely default thing because i have people i know a lot of people they're like i'm boycotting i'm like why who cares it's a swimsuit on a little girl character that you will look at for three seconds and then leave because it undermines the artistic expression of the game and it's a slippery slope but i'm like no it's not a slippery slope it's business. So to get to the point I was making, Dragon's Crown is a T rating, which I find a little surprising, but I think yeah. that they were, but you know, whatever. And now another thing that people lost their minds over was when the latest trailer for Dark Souls 2 came out, it has a T rating. And so everybody started losing their minds like, oh my God, did they censor Dark Souls? And I'm like, did the first one have an M rating? Uh, Dark Souls 1 has an M rating because of Quilag. Because she has hair covering her, her areola. Oh. So I, I think that... That lets you know I had to think about that, and I've played that game four times. That lets you know how much crap, um, how many Fs I gave about it. Right, and and then you have like Nathan Drake shooting like 50,000 black people in Uncharted 1, and that's completely fine. Like, it, it's completely arbitrary. I think the ESRB, like... I, I just don't even take what they do seriously anymore, which is kind of a shame because I, I think we do need a little bit of a stricter ratings policy um, just to keep everybody on the level. But I think in cases like this, you know, Nintendo censoring Bravely Default, I don't have a problem with that because I, I'm kind of with you there, Derek. Uh, you know, 15-year-olds in skimpy clothing, you know, as a school teacher, I kind of have a hard time with that. And I'm like, uh, no, no. Poor choice of words, friend. Yeah, please, please God, no. Um, uh yeah, it's it's tough, and I just think that people losing their minds over it. I, I I get it. I understand not wanting censorship, but 
there's also context and there's also cultural aspects that there are, that you need yeah. to think about. That's like, you know, I had a conversation with a friend recently. When I was in Japan, you go to an onsen, you get naked. And it's like, are we going to ban all onsens in the United States? I mean, they're not a thing here. But it's it's completely relative. Like, there, I had people when I was there going, this is indecent. And I'm like, yes, an entire society of people are indecent. No, you're just, it's cultural relativity. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I just want us to be careful with that kind of stuff. But I, I think the ESRB, like, the fact that Dragon's Crown was able to get a teen rating with some of the stuff that's in that game. And I'm like, really? Like, at that point, I think the Bravely Default stuff wasn't to get around a rating. I think it was Nintendo, you know, wanting to, for lack of a better word, class it up a little bit. Get it a little bit more prepared for American audiences. You you don't that, think that it had anything to do with the rating or a business? You don't think it was a business? I don't think it had anything to do with the rating. If if Dragon's well, Crown uh, makes it through with a teen rating, I don't see why Bravely Default wouldn't with a couple of couple well, of girls. Could, it in could be a bikinis. risk. I think it's a, a potentially a risk, but I mean, compared to I mean, you have freaking uh, like the the Dragon's Crown stuff is nuts by comparison. Well, that's what I mean, though. If if there's a risk that the ERCRB is going to rate it, then they're going to have to go back and change it again. Okay. So okay. My, my assumption is they probably do it just to get get out ahead of it and even, not even let it become a concern. Okay. Okay. I my my point was I doubt that that was going to put them over the limit, but I if they're doing it from a concern of hey it might I I see it. Yeah. Anyway, that went somewhere. Slightly unexpected, but no, no, no. It's good. I could. It's actually. It's an issue that I could talk about at length. So I'm glad that we talked about. We'll it. We'll get really drunk at E3 and talk about this stuff. Yeah, we will. <laughs> we'll we'll just get drunk. At Who's E3. bringing scotch? Somebody needs to bring scotch. Well, nobody can bring it because we're flying. But I'm sure there's a Bedmo or a Total Sketchy. Wine around. There. How, how are we doing? That? So I, I kind of want listeners to hear our E3 planning. I think I'm going to get in that Monday. Stay till you just Friday. want ever. You just want everybody to know that you're going, dude. Yeah, I'm so freaking stoked. Like I'm going to lose my damn mind. Okay, so mon- uh, Monday, Friday, Derek, you're thinking about doing the same thing. Uh, yeah, I think I get there like noon on Monday, and then yeah. I'm actually because the show's last day is Thursday, but. Okay. I think I'm actually staying until Saturday. I don't. I don't remember if I'm leaving really late Friday or because um, we we never leave on like the day of the show. Um, we always have that extra day. I think I'm actually leaving on Saturday this year, so I can have an extra day because um, it's in L.A. So uh, a couple years ago we went to Disneyland. I didn't actually get to go that day, but a bunch of editors went to Disneyland. So we'll, we'll probably do something. We gotta figure. But yeah, out. I think Monday. I already got. I got my approval already. Actually, I'm like. Yeah. My plane t- my plane ticket is booked. We have our hotels booked, and my approval is in. So like, I gotta do the. I'm ready. Stuff this weekend. Yeah, as soon as I get my approval, I'm gonna buy a plane ticket. Yeah, I think my plane ticket's gonna be about 450 bucks, which isn't too bad. Uh, I'm I'm just so freaking excited, and I'm going to kill anyone that gets in my way to the Bethesda booth. Well, you'll have to be killing John probably. Actually, if John doesn't go, it'll probably be Kyle. Well, Don't Kyle. Kyle. Kyle, if well, I mean, don't kill this. John either. Kyle, you had a good run. Yeah, Kyle, you had a good run, um, but I'm afraid. Uh, I'm afraid. But now you'd a... better run. <laughs> run, run, or you'll be well done. Oh my God! All right. Hey, that's FF6. I know. I'm just waiting for. Some, uh, so, who's bringing the scotch? No, I'm just kidding. We'll get bringing some gin, bro. No, no gin. Ugh. Yeah. No, don't ugh me on gin. You stop. You heathen. I like. Sorry, I, I hate having good taste. It's tough. Bailey's. <laughs> I know Bailey's is like fairly weak, but Bailey's is my favorite. Oh no 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 no! All right. Anyway, um, Keep going there. There is a release date for Conception Two, the baby making RPG. 
Conception <laughs> 2, Electric Boogaloo. We didn't get Conception 1, did we? No, but that's okay, because I heard it wasn't very good. Uh, it comes out on April 5th, and the it's coming out for PS Vita and 3DS, and both come with one of those good old Atlas Spoils first print editions where they have the oversized box and a music CD. So, um, it actually looks, fetus. It looks pretty cool. I, I don't know, like, it doesn't, like, it sounds kind of bleh, because you're like, yeah, making star babies, but it's, it's more like, I, I don't know, I was reading up on it a little bit, and it's not, like, super gross. It's, just, it's like, yeah, you have to bond with somebody emotionally, and then, like, you get a, you seriously just get, like, a weird cyber baby thing. That's, it's not a baby, it's just, like, you spawn a creature. It's kind of like it's kind of like the shock value that Persona Three originally had. Every character has to commit suicide to summon their persona. Yeah, no, they don't. Kind of. Yeah, I would actually compare it to that. That that's a good uh, analogy. Oh, that that reminds me. Are we covering Deception? No, I don't think so. Why would we? There's it's... no. I don't think there are any really. Yeah, I, I feel like that's always been in like a gray area of like, what the hell is it? Like, if you were gonna classify that game, what would you? I don't even know what it is. Like, I used to play those games, and I they're pretty horrific. What are those games? The Deception series, like Kagero and well, Trapped most recently. But they're okay. Tecmo's like series where you set traps and mutilate people coming into your castle. It looks terrible. It's <laughs> I don't know what the hell is like. First of all. <laughs> Why did those games exist? Second of all, like, why did I play them as a kid? Because they're so far out of my t- normal thing. But I used to love them. And they're horrible. Like, you you catch people in spike traps and Iron Maidens and stuff and, like, crush them with boulders. I it, it lo- I, I think it looks fascinating. <laughs> yeah, that's you a good would. word for it. Just like The Room is fascinating. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. The Room is a brilliant... Maybe I know more than I think you do, Mark. Mark, why don't you keep your stupid comments in your, pocket? in your pocket? That's a piece of cinematic excellence. Like, please stop, please. So aside from Conception Two, um, the actually, by the time this episode comes out, the second episode of The Wolf Among Us should actually be out. Yes. I'm just waiting uh, there was for a, all of them. I'm so excited. Oh man, it's so good. I don't know how you wait you, for you, things. You gotta, you gotta play them as they go, though. That's part of the fun. Is like talking about it, letting it yeah. simmer. Yeah. I agree. Yep. Yeah. I. Uh, I'm That's like a, when people tell me, they go, I've read Harry Potter, I loved it. I go, yeah, you read all of them in a weekend. Yeah. You didn't experience it the way Oh, we... my God. Oh, you You're freaking being hips. You're being so hipster right now. It's not hipster. <laughs> oh, you are being It's like with Breaking so Bad. It's like Breaking hipster. Bad, like, Breaking Bad is not as much fun if you just marathon it. Like, I'm sorry, because I got to it late and I had the opportunity to marathon it, I didn't appreciate it the same way you did. No, you didn't grow Steven, up with it. Steven, give me a freaking break. That is nope. so... Okay, okay, then we all experienced Star Wars incorrectly. Well, I would have liked to have seen it. Actually, I saw Star Wars in a theater, so I wouldn't say I experienced uh, it. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. You did not see the original trilogy in theaters. I saw Star Wars when it was released in theaters. It was the re-release, but I saw yeah, it. That, okay, oh, oh, fine. So you got to wait a month in between movies, not three years. You were wait, You didn't even know there was going to be a sequel. Well, you weren't born in the 76. No, but what I'm saying is that we all experienced Star Wars incorrectly then. I'm just saying it would have been really cool if we could have lived through the first three. No, it would have sucked. We would have been wow. sitting there like, what is going on? Episode 75, wherein we squabble and talk about, like, nostalgia. I'm sorry. No, Steven, you know I love you. You know I respect you. But you have got to take off your hipster glasses right now. Hipster glass? No! <laughs> 
like dude, you can't, dude. You cannot tell me there isn't a different kind of value to be gleaned from reading a book series in which a character grows up year by year, and you are keeping pace with it. I broke Derek. <laughs> he does appear to be broken. No, I get, oh, I man. get the point that you're making. But it doesn't invalidate your experience. I didn't say it did invalidate somebody's experience. I just said that mine was better. Oh, my God. (laughs) As he sips his PBR. Yeah, are are you... (laughs) Actually, no, I'm going to drink gin. Bombay Sapphire. Steven just burned himself on his coffee because he drank it before it was cool. (laughs) Speaking of which, I need to go get a beer. I I I should get a beer. I haven't gotten through beer yet. I love you, dude, but seriously, just, oh, God, don't ever use that argument on me again. Oh, it's a wonderful argument. Oh, my God. that's you, awful. Don't, you don't see it the same way I do. That's like saying people who grew up watching Transformers, if I go now and watch all of Transformers, I'm going to think it's stupid. No, but... you're not, because you're not five. <laughs> like, I don't get what argument you're making, dude. You're like you're saying that the historical context has no matter. You're telling me if I had played Ocarina of Time when it first came out, I wouldn't have thought it was amazing. No, but what I'm saying, uh, no, 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 no. But now if I go back oh, and play, no, if no. somebody goes and plays Ocarina of Time right now, it is different. If, no, if somebody, you're if somebody a waits, argument now. No, I'm saying that the time in between things. If I played, let me let me expand here. If I played Link to the Past when it first came out. And I loved it. And I had played, like, the first two Zeldas. And I was waiting, and I was waiting, and I was following the news for Ocarina of Time. And I was super excited for it. And then it finally came out, and it was that. You're telling me I wouldn't have a different experience than me who played Zeldas all the way after they came out? Oh, now, wait a minute. You're, you're making two different arguments. The argument you were just trying to make and you quickly got away from it was, if I played Ocarina of Time now, would I appreciate it the same way I did before? Well, Forget that argument. That's no, 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 no. That's the first argument I'm going to attack you on because I think that's a really poor argument because I think that true excellence is timeless. You can watch The Godfather now and appreciate it the way it came out back in 1970. Take a drink. Rob brought up The Godfather. We say say as we have already on this very episode discussed that Wild Arms hasn't aged well and that game was great when it came out and now it's just... But I, I would say that that's actually an inherent flaw in video games is that oftentimes the game ends up being seen as very archaic after the fact. I think that's one issue with our medium that nobody really talks about is the fact that it's kind of hard to go. Like even Derek was saying, don't play East 1 and 2 first because you're going to be like, ah, oh, what the hell was this? Well, I mean, the same thing can be said of movies. But look at, look at a movie filmed in the 1940s. It's not going to interest most audiences today. And But if somebody grew up watching that movie, they're going to love it. And that's not the point I wanted to make. I, 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 I acquiesced that that was originally a mistaken point. I was to the Harry Potter one. So, so your point is that you have to but, – but I don't well, – here, here, let me give you an actual example. Oh, my god. All right. So I have friends – like my little brother didn't follow Kingdom Hearts at all. He just started playing it at two and he liked it. I, on the other hand – spent two years looking at every little piece of news and anticipating it. And part of that experience is part of why I think I like the series so much, because the series has lots of flaws. But if you just jump into the end, you go, this is a really bizarre game, what the heck? But if you are into it and you're experiencing it as it's coming out, it's different. I'm not saying it's inherently worse or better, but I'm saying that the attachment of nostalgia and of experience something as it comes out is different than just playing it all at once. Playing The Wolf Among Us episode by episode, 
is a different experience than sitting down and playing all four episodes. But I do not think that it invalidates your response, which is what I'm getting. I can see where you're coming from now, but it does not invalidate. Well, I didn't say it invalidated. I just said that mine is better. Well, I disagree with you. But now I'm just trolling you. But no, seriously, I'm just saying it's different. And to get back to the original point, you should just play it now. Eh. It's good. It's worth playing now. Eh, I'm going to go buy <laughs> but, you a, but they, a they had that really shirt. I have a bunch already. Thank you. <laughs> they had that really long uh, that long gap between episode one and episode two. Because episode one came out in October. Yeah, yeah that's, so a, that's, that's a long gap. Yeah, it's usually like a month and a half. They were like, they don't really, they haven't really said why either. They're just like, yeah, we got, oops. I think because they were signing deals with Borderlands and Game of Thrones and working on Walking Dead <laughs> Season 2 and like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that was my last piece of news and then we got onto that topic. Well, I think we have to talk about PlayStation Now briefly. Um, we have to? Yeah, that's fine. No, I think we do because PlayStation Now could be an absolutely like momentous earth-shattering thing or it could be completely over overpriced and broken i think it's going to come out it's going to work pretty well but it's still going to be dependent on bandwidth and over the years it's going to shape up and do a really great service i i mean the bandwidth doesn't really seem to be the the issue when they first talked about they said they were looking for what was it uh five megabits they were looking for five megabits down not megabytes five megabits down and you know that I think that that's great. I think most people can pull that off. Most most broadband services. My point is, this all comes down to pricing. And I, I have to point out that Weekend Confirmed talk about the, talked about this like two or three weeks ago. So, you know, I, I'm a little bit of plagiarism here, but at least I admit it. Thank you, Shia. Um, I think if they price it too high, they'll kill it. It all comes down to are you. Are you going to buy games a la carte? Are you going to get the service? So like 10 bucks a month, you get access to all of these games, and then every month it switches. I mean, I, I'm just seeing this as Sega Channel 2.0, essentially. It does sound kind of like Sega Channel, but the, the thing that's different is that Sega Channel downloaded the game in full and then ran it locally. Right. And it, Whereas it this is forever. streaming it. And what I mean, what I think will surprise people is that the quality is very good on remote play. But you can still tell that it's being streamed. Like, it's still got a teeny tiny bit of artifacting. Like, nowhere near enough to make you go, this is terrible. But, you know, you're, if you're going to be streaming, like, The Last of Us, you know, it may not look quite as good. I mean, I, and I can't say that that's what it's going to look like when it comes out. But, like, I'm guessing what they'll do is they'll say you can either rent a game or you can buy a subscription to the service. So if you pay 20 bucks a month, you get... You know, you can rent anything, you can play anything you want, or you can rent a game five bucks for a couple of days, and then PS Plus players are going to get, like, you get two rentals a month for free. Do you think that they'll do a rotation of games, or is it going to be one massive library that grows? One massive library, because advertising. Uh, mm. They'll be able to, like, just like they do, like, I don't think they'll, I think they'll be adding new games to it, but it'll be a library. And an interesting piece of news that goes with that is that there have been a lot of rumors that Sony is actually working on hardware emulation of PS1 and PS2 for PS4. So you'll be able to actually... its I don't know if it's been specifically said, but the gist of it is you'll be able to play the PlayStation Classic versions, like PS1 and PS2 games, on PS4, and you'll be able to put your discs in and play them. Yeah, because that's... I mean, I feel like that's the one missing piece from the Vita right now. I mean, you have a huge PlayStation 1 library, but, you know, like, I want to play Fatal Frame... Two or, or whatever, Crimson Butterfly. I, I want to play that. Electric Boogaloo. 
I, I really want to play that, but I don't want to play it on my PlayStation 3. I, I'd really like to play it on my Vita. I think that that would be really cool, but they don't seem to have software em- emulation for PS2 on Vita. It sounds like PlayStation Now could get around that. I think you're right. I think it is going to be a library that's going to continue to grow, but man, they got to nail the pricing. I think 20 bucks a month, even though that is a good deal, I don't think people will respond to 20 bucks a month. I think you got to go 15. 20 bucks is like that's starting to get into I, I I think I think it's great and I think it's completely fair, but I think it could chop their legs out from under them. Yeah, that no, I, I think I, and I think they're very Sony of all companies, I think is very well aware of what overpricing something will do. Yep. And I I their track record recently suggests to me that they appreciate that pricing this is going to be important. I mean, if they if they price it right, I would sign up for it immediately to be able to play like Resident Evil 2 or, you know, Fatal Frame, all of these games and I would really want to play them on my Vita. I really would like having access to a ton of games. That that Vita right now feel I have it on my shelf. I have it on my bookshelf right now. That thing feels like a monster waiting to unleash. It really no, no, does. I, like don't get me wrong, we disagree. I think the library is very good now, but if you were suddenly able to play PS2 games on it, then that's just the that's the game right there. Yeah, I, th- I think you're done at that point. Like, like you because... you now have a serve. And I think Sony's realizing that I, I do think physical media will be gone, maybe not the ho- next hardware cycle, but maybe the one after that. I I think I think physical media is going to be gone, and I think it is going to be a service. And I think Netflix has proven that. People, you know, Jackie and I are weird in that we buy movies and we don't have Netflix, but that's because we we like having a big library of films. But most people don't buy movies anymore. Most people they just stream them. You know, they they stream or they get their Netflix fix. See, I what mean, I think, what I, and I agree with that, and I think what it is is people, you know, people on like Game Informer just posted a thing. Everybody prefers physical, and everyone on Twitter is like, "Oh, physical is so much better. Why would you want something that you can't, you know?" Oh, da, 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 da. But oh. you know what? Those people are the outlier, and in like five, six, seven years, when a younger generation of players grows up, not having a concept of owning a disc like we did, they aren't going to. They aren't going to care at all, and then that's when they're going to be able to get away with doing something like that. The only physical thing that I do like are books. I, I really don't like Me reading. Too. I don't like reading on a Kindle or an iPad. I can't stand it. Uh, I really want to read that book. Uh, uh, Stay a while and listen. The development of Diablo One. Stay a while and listen. No, I really want to read that, and I, I, God, I wish there was a physical copy of that book. Um, that's the one thing that I like having a physical media. And plus, you know, you. There is something there. There's like a status thing of having like the books that you read in your your living room or whatever when you have company over. So it's kind of like a statement of what you do. But man, having my computer and my Steam library, and now my my bandwidth has gone up like thirty percent. Where now I'm at three. Uh, I'm at thirty megabits down, which is really really nice right now. Back uh, up from twenty last month, and I wanted to see how Tomb Raider ran on my new graphics card. It took me like. 90 minutes to download it and I could play it and then just delete it again. It, that was really nice. And yeah, somebody will say, well, you could have had the physical media. Yeah, but then you got to find the physical media, then you got to store it, then you got to travel with it. Like, I just can't be bothered anymore when it comes to games. And you I'm know. still the opposite. You, you like having the physical stuff? Yeah, I gotta have it. Like, I, if I have an option, I always go physical. 
Hmm. Um, I just I like having a game collection. I like having a shelf that I can pull off of and peruse and not have to like worry about having a storage space on my <clears throat> system or hard drive or whatever it may be. And then I'm also I'm also the opposite with books. Like I used to have like bookshelves upon bookshelves of books and I moved it's probably just because of like my personal life experience, but like I moved several times. Um and I just got really tired of moving them and I was like, I'm not reading most of these. Like I, I and that's also just because I, I don't read as much as I game. That's just me, I guess. But like I was constantly moving all these books and I was like, I'm not reading them and I I wish there was an easier way to just have books and now that I have an iPad I I've been reading on it more just because it's really easy for me to put books on it because I, with books, like, I don't know. Um, I, I don't put aside time to read as much as I do put aside time to game. Like reading is what I do when I'm, if I'm in public or like, like I, I just, I got a new job recently. I'm a writing tutor and you know, I can't very well like take out a Vita and game while I'm waiting for students to come in, but oh, I can't, I, well, I can take out my iPad, however, and just like read a book or I, I use it to study and stuff. So, yeah, I, I like physical games because I like having a physical library, but books, I like digital. Just because books are heavier. That is true. See, I like. I mean, I, like, I, I love. I love the. I love actual physical books. I just mean like as far as my for my for my lifestyle, I prefer having them digital. And see, for my philosophy, I go. I never ever at any point need more than one book with me. So I, I actually really dislike ebooks, except for school books. Like for school books, I don't mind ebooks because I re- do all my school reading on a computer. But like. For a book I'm reading, there's I, I really can't state enough how much I like holding an actual book or listening to an audiobook. And for games, I'm weird because like I have a collection of games that I like to add to, but honestly, I've become less and less attached to it as time goes on because I'm like, if I ever want to play those games, they're available digitally. And like I still have a library. Like I open up my Steam library, it's like you have, you know, two hundred whatever games, and I'm like, I still have all those games. And, like, that's one thing I like about my Vita is that it's like, no, I don't have to carry 50 different carts around. All my games are on my Vita. Or if I they're not on there, I can delete one and then download another one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, good conversations, guys. Good conversations. I'm Everyone tired. Everyone is different. I'm getting tired, too. It's pretty yeah, late. It's, yeah, it's like 1 in the morning for me. Yep. So... Uh, so thank you everybody for listening to another rousing episode of Random Encounter. 75! I know, 75, it feels... We said uh, it was a milestone, and Rob just said no, and then he said he was going to kill us and quit at 100. I didn't say... uh, Okay, I said I might quit at 100. I don't know. There's something appealing about just being like, yeah, I'm done. I I did this. Seven is the most powerfully magical number, so you should stop at 700. Hmm. I should stop at 700. Oh, man. I don't know if I'd still be alive at 700. Who knows? Uh, But yeah, thanks again for listening to the show. As always, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or through the RSS feed. Uh, Let's see. We're probably going to have some Bravely Default to talk about. We have uh, Derek's secret game to talk about down the road. So lots coming up, and you guys should all be really, really excited about that. Yeah? Yeah, you better. Get excited. excited. Get excited. I know I'm excited. Yeah, I... Wow. Echo much? Steven, am I going to be the one reviewing Dark Souls 2? Yep, because I ain't touching that thing with a review. I don't know why you want to. You've said on this show like at least ten times that it ruined you and that you didn't like having to rush through it and that it's not the right kind of game for that. You don't have to rush through it. Uh, 
But on the other hand, I'm not going to review it. So we need somebody who likes liked Dark Souls One to review Dark Souls Two. Yep. Oh. Okay. Yawn in here. Yeah, yawn, yawn, yawn. All right. So sleepy in here. Thank you, everybody, and we will see you all next time.